G'day, Mike Hussey here, but you can call me Mr. Supercoach. KFC Supercoach BBL is back and there's 25 grand up for grabs. So what are you waiting for? Play today at supercoach.com.au. T's and C's apply. New South Wales authorisation number TP slash 01005. For logbook servicing you can rely on, you need to make the right choice. You need trained professionals who are fully qualified to service your car according to manufacturer's specifications. For real peace of mind and a nationwide warranty, book in or book online at repcoservice.com. Thank you, New Zealand, for making Polaris New Zealand's number one selling side-by-side brand. From behind the stumps to behind the mic, nothing gets past Smithy. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. Yeah, good morning. Welcome to your Friday. Hope it's going well for you so far. Uh, I'll tell you what, there is something about uh, the chemistry between uh, Kempi and Izzy and Louie in the mornings that gets you fired up, especially on a Friday. Those boys uh, are already firing. I can tell you that much for free. And uh, we'll be with you through till midday today before Smithy is back on Monday. Now, coming up on the show, Sam Gilbert, uh, Highlanders. Now, if you if I was going to have interviewed him any time other than probably the last week and a half, I would have said Highlanders fullback, Highlanders winger, Highlanders outside back, Highlanders first five. Sam Gilbert is coming up on the show. I'll ask him about that because there was a big story about how he hadn't played in the 10 jersey since high school. Well, we'll get to the bottom of that. We'll get to the bottom of a few things with Sam Gilbert and find out how he's been uh, coping playing outside Aaron Smith and uh, having uh, Tony Brown uh, teach him the wily ways of the 10. So we've got that coming up. Of course, we also have a $50 Chemist Warehouse gift card for you for the caller of the day when we do talkback time from 9.30 this morning. Angus Hamilton, he's a tennis pundit and uh, pundit and bookie. He's going to join us uh, out of the wilds of Costa Rica to talk about the French Open, which gets underway on Sunday, and hopefully he can steer us into a couple to follow as well. The panel today has Ollie Ritchie and Kimberly Downs on it. Of course, Kimberly is now part of the SENZ family as uh, our Friday drive host or run home host with uh, Beaver, and uh, looking forward to uh, getting her on air. Now, we'll catch up with uh, Louis Herman Watt for Love Racing, and we'll have Pip Morris on from the TAB as well. Matt Henry, uh, the Black Caps bowler. Um, the boys, of course, uh, take on Sussex in a four-day warm-up game. We're going to uh, talk to him as well later in the show. And Michelle Stebbing, the co-national coordinator uh, for Mayhounds, uh, all about rehoming greyhounds. We'll talk to her and, and see how she got into it and how you uh, can get amongst as well. Mick Guerin's going to give us a harness racing update as well and hopefully a couple of big tips. And uh, we, of course, will have Stumped by Smithy to come as well on a $50 TAB bet for you uh, to win. So there you go. Uh, that is all to come on the show. What's in the news at the moment? Well, last night, I don't know if you watched it, the Broncos versus the Knights, there was no Adam Reynolds, which uh, which threw me. So I had jumped on the Broncos uh, yesterday with the old tab account. I jumped on them and thought oh, they'll beat the Knights. It uh, is. It was. I thought it was going to be tight because the Knights were welcoming a few back. You know, uh, they had guys back like Dane Gagai, and of course Anthony Milford was back in the team, and Tyson Frizzell was back in the team as well. So I thought, well, it, it's it's going to be a tight game. But then we got the news ahead of kickoff that there was no Adam Reynolds, and so uh, this rookie Ezra Mam came in to play halfback, and boy, he went well, and Tyson Gamble, who I haven't been the biggest fan of, he also stood up last night. Uh, it was a good game. It was actually pretty tight. It was 20-12 to 12 with about 10 minutes left, but the Broncos ran away with it, winning that one 36-12, and uh, if they can do that, they're learning to play without Adam 
Reynolds. They, they, they can show us they can they can get it done without Adam Reynolds. Uh, that just makes them that much more of a threat. And uh, I think the Broncos now looking like they could be they could be a th- uh, uh, threatening the top four in the NRL this season, Logan. Kevin Walters is just, he must be grinning this morning. I love this. And even without someone who as dynamic as Adam Reynolds, and then Katoni Staggs just picks up the kicking tee and says, I've got this, mate. Yeah. Huge effort from the Broncos. Yeah, massive effort. Massive effort. I'll tell you who else is a massive effort from today. Uh, and that is in the Premier League. There were three games played this morning. That meant once those games were done, there was only one game left for everybody, which is Monday morning, New Zealand time, all those games will be played out. Everton have been in relegation trouble all season. They were at home against Crystal Palace. They were 2-0 down against Crystal Palace at half time. They came back and won it 3-2. That means they are safe this season. They will not be relegated. And the scenes, when the third goal went in from Dominic Calvert-Lewin, there was a pitch invasion and there were flares everywhere. uh, And it took them a while to clear the pitch. So it ended up being seven minutes of injury time played. Uh, But they got through it and Everton are officially safe. And I know Carlos is happy about that because he's texted us through on the temper bed post text machine, double eight, double three. Morning, Ricardo. As a long-time Liverpool fan, it's pleasing to see our unruly neighbours Everton will stay in the Premier League next season. We're at least guaranteed six easy local derby points. Yes, uh, a lovely backhanded compliment, Carlos. It's exactly what we expect from a football fan. Thank you very much for your text. You can get your thoughts through on double eight double three. That is the temper bed post text machine. Also this morning, uh, Burnley earned a point at Aston Villa, one all draw. That pulls them out of the relegation zone. They're on the same points as Leeds, who are now in the relegation zone, but they have a better goal difference. What that means, Burnley are at home to Newcastle on the last day of the season. Leeds go to Brentford on the last day of the season. Leeds need to better Burnley's result to stay in the Premier League. So it is all on the line for Leeds United. Also, Chelsea and Leicester City played out a one-all draw. Uh, that means that Chelsea are confirmed third place in the Premier League this morning. It is nine past nine here on SENZ. This weekend, the Highlanders take on the Waratahs, second to last game of round robin, and the man who's going to be uh, playing in the 10 jersey for them, Sam Gilbert, joins us now. G'day, Sam. How are you doing? Yeah, good, thanks. How are you? Yeah, good, thanks, mate. Uh, how was how was last week? Because, of course, uh, that was the big news, wasn't it? You used to send you with a 14 or a 15 on your back, but you turned up with a 10. Yeah, that was a um, different challenge for me, I guess, but... So I had a really good week building in, and then um, obviously the boys turned out a good performance on um, Friday night, which was awesome. Yeah, I mean it was a great performance. So Sixty-one to ten over the force. You, you kicked eight from eight as well, um, which which is a superb performance, mate. Uh, in terms of uh, that experience of playing in the line, playing outside Aaron Smith. Um, how, I mean, how was that for you in, in a real situation? I'm sure you drilled it plenty of times and had opposed trainings, but how was it for real? Uh, yeah, no, it was awesome, eh? Like, playing outside Nugget, it takes a lot of pressure off you, which was probably the big thing I found out during the game, sort of less, um, not less pressure, but I guess, like, he just made some of those decisions for me, and then it's a lot easier, it was a lot easier for me just to react and sort of just play what I saw off the back of it. Now, quite nice. yeah, it would have been, mate. It would have been. It's, it's, do you have a bit of a ringing in one ear after playing with with, with him? Because he's, he's always chatting. 
<laughs> nah, of course not. <laughs> hey, um, it, it was talked about a bit last week that uh, you haven't played 10 since uh, high school, which I think was St. Andrew's College in Christchurch. Uh, is that true, or have, have you had a run there, you know, in maybe under-20s teams or, or Canterbury, uh, you know, sort of uh, NPC teams and things like that? No, I think that storyline got blown a wee bit out of proportion. I played 10 sort of right through club, through through my three years at Lincoln Uni, and then like under-19s and stuff as well. And then even last year for Otago, I covered 10 when Joshy Huani got a head knock there for a little bit, so... I've sort of, I wouldn't say I've played there a lot in the last couple of years, but it's not like I, I haven't been there, I guess. Uh, One of those things that got that, that, that was a good headline, so let, let, let's make it a story. <laughs> yeah, let it run. Let yeah. it run, mate. Let's see, what's the old adage? Uh, don't, let, don't let the facts get in the way of a good story. Um, <laughs> yeah. yeah so, so your time at, at 10, obviously, um, you know, you've played a bit there, as we've established. Do you see that as your position going forward, or are you happy to play, you know, 14, 15? Um, I mean, I'm happy just to be on the field at the end of the day. I think my skill set sort of lends itself to any of the three positions, I guess, based on how you want to play. So I think for me, it's more just whatever position I'm in, I guess, understanding how I can influence the game. And, I mean, is there anything else up your sleeve that we haven't heard yet? I mean, you know, is Brownie going to, you know, announce come quarter final time you're playing 12 or something? We're like, we didn't know you could play there. I mean, uh, is there anywhere else that you played that you that, that we might see you turn up at some point? Um, yeah, I played 12 a wee bit, sort of, I guess, first, second year out of school. It's not too dissimilar to 10 in a lot of ways. But um, no, I guess the higher up you go, the easier it is probably to change positions sometimes because you get a lot of lot more support and you know what everyone else around you is up to. <laughs> you yeah. know. Well, I mean, how, how's it been for you with having Tony Brown as your head coach? I mean, in terms of 10s, there are not too many better that have run around, right? Yeah, I mean, I guess that was the awesome thing last week was you having Brownie and Nug there to lean on and bounce a lot of questions back off. And they sort of really, yeah, I guess, reassured me and gave me that confidence to go out there and perform on Friday. At the beginning of the season, I, I do a show with Jeff Wilson um, called Super South, where we just talk Highlanders. And one of the things brought up was at the beginning of the season, when the when the team or the squad was named, that I thought, you know, it, the way the team was listed anyway, it had Marty and Mitch as the only tens. And I, I remember saying to Jeff, you know, they look light, they look a bit light at ten. What do you think? Are you are you are you worried at all? Um, and so we had that discussion. Um, but from an internal point of view, was you playing ten, uh, or were you, were you like the third ten in, ter- in terms of if, if anything went wrong on the injury front? I mean, is that something you've drilled from the start of the season, or is it something that happened sort of midway through? Um, I mean, I've sort of always been a 15 wing this year and then sort of just the way the things are gone I guess the way I, way we like to play it's sort of 15 and 10 are much of a muchness like I think you saw that on Friday night the way all our backs just sort of slotted in and the way we want to play is it wasn't too dissimilar to playing 15 so I think that took a lot of pressure off and how does that work for you? Like, you know, I mean, obviously, uh, if if you guys have possession, you're in the ten slot. But do you drop back to fullback and have someone else come in the line when you're defending? Yeah, I mean, just utilising the guys we have around us. Like, obviously, we had Fatuli, Fatuli and Scott on the wings on Friday, who are like awesome defenders and midfielders, probably by trade. So, like, using them with their best in the front lines um, on D is probably our best bet. Where I mean I know I know I asked you where you uh, if you have a preference, but I mean where do you see your future? I mean, do you see yourself as a ten going forward who can cover other positions? 
Um, I mean, I'm not really too sure. I'm still pretty young, I guess, in my rugby journey and it's all experience. I guess at the moment, like, I love playing 15. I wing, I probably guess I'm still learning in terms of the professional side of it. So 15, 10 wing, I guess any of those three, really. Yeah, I mean, yeah, because I mean, you have played both sides of the wing as well, haven't you? I think it was at New Zealand under twenties. I, I remember looking through and seeing that you'd played, uh, you played both left and right. Yeah, I guess. Yeah, that wasn't. That was just when I was starting out, so I was sort of more just keen to get on the field. So when you asked if you want to play left wing, you say yes. Yeah, mate, mate, give me give me the one jersey I'll prop if you need me to. I just want to get out there. <laughs> yeah, 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 quality. Sure. Hey, this weekend, of course, you got the Tars. Um, who have had a interesting season? They they started a bit iffy, but they they seem to have come good, and they're probably overtaken the Reds now as the second best Aussie team. And they feature a couple of young tens as well, Ben Donaldson and Tane Edmed. Have you been watching much of them this season? And what do you make of their progress? Yeah, I guess I've been um, pretty hard to ignore the last couple of weeks, and they took me mm. up to the Saders and then running the Canes real close last week. So <clears throat> they're going to be yeah a real challenge on Sunday, Avo. Particularly, I guess, I think they're one of the better defensive teams in the competition, which is what they build the game off. So it's going to be a real challenge for us. It will be. I mean, in terms of that, D, I mean, you know, you talk about having um, Aaron Smith inside you. What about outside you? Uh, you know, Thomas Umanga Jensen, if you've, got a, if you've got a D that needs cracking, is there a better bloke to, to throw a short ball to? Yeah, I mean, you've got, you got Marine off the back of the scrum and um, Thomas running down and not too bad when you just use those two weapons. That's pretty good, all right, mate. Pretty good. Hey, currently you guys are sitting uh, in eighth place and you're seven points clear of the Rebels who you play in the last round. Um, of course, you don't want to be giving them a sniff in that last round. How important is it to you guys to get the business done against the Tars t- uh, this weekend? Yeah, of course. Like Every game's important at the moment, I guess, building towards hopefully that quarterfinals. Um, quarterfinals game, like, I think the focus for us is just building our game, though. I think you saw last week we finally started to find our groove. So I think the next couple of weeks for us is how do we keep building that towards that quarterfinals. And we mentioned briefly Tony Brown and how good it is to have him to lean on. Obviously, he's a ten who's who's been an he's been a really inventive coach as well. Um, I remember seeing him. Uh, coaching oh, the Highlanders a few years ago and I'm trying to remember who the 10 was now that ended up turning their back to the opposition line and then kicking a ball over their head with their back to the line. Um, what, what what sort of advice is he me giving you? I'm, I'm picking, he's asking you to keep it a bit simpler than that. Yeah, I mean, sort of, he's just been really making sure that I just back myself, I guess, and to play my game, not try, I guess, run the team as a whole or just like really, I guess, do what I do well and do that well. That's been his sort of key message, I guess. Yeah, I um, mean, and you do you you have done it well. You did it well last weekend, mate, and you got eight from eight as I mentioned at the start off the boot. You did give that last kick though to to Daniel Linnett Brown uh, from the sideline. Um, he you, boy, he couldn't have had a tougher uh, a tougher first kick of the match, could he? How do you reckon he went? No, he just about drilled it, didn't yeah. he? Um, nah, it was pretty cool, like someone like that to. Get an opportunity, I guess, that they wouldn't usually get. Like, it's pretty cool to see them get their reward. Did you give them, give them some advice afterwards? <laughs> no, he smoked it. I probably wouldn't have gone much closer myself. <laughs> Is that something you guys uh, do in training? You know, I mean, you know, maybe at the end of training or at the start of training, just as a uh, as a bit of fun. Everybody has a crack. Well, I think every forward thinks they can goal kick, but <laughs> <laughs> no, there, there's always a few of them floating around after trying to get a get a nudge. But. 
Nice, Sam. Nice. Uh, and, I mean, just finally, before I let you go, um, what do you think has been the biggest development in your game this season with everything that's happened? Uh, I think a lot of it's been probably my game understanding. This is still, uh, yeah, this is my first year, full year, I guess, in a Super Rugby environment. After doing my knee last year and missing, well, sorry, knee in 2020 and then missing half of last year. So for me, it's just been, I guess, playing every week and trying to get better each week and just build sort of my game understanding and like how I sort of improve the little things week to week. Yeah, well, mate, I mean, it's been uh, an impressive season from you. You've been one of the standouts, uh, no matter what number you've had on your back for the Highlanders this season. So congratulations on a good season so far, mate, and best of luck against the Tars this weekend and then uh, the playoffs, hopefully. Thank you very much. Appreciate it. For making Polaris New Zealand's number one selling side-by-side brand. Summer or winter, he's the voice of sport in Aotearoa. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. It's 9.25 here on Mornings with Ian Smith. Ricardo Ball in for Smithy. He will be back for you on Monday. And uh, you're good to chat to Sam Gilbert and uh, uncover a few of those myths about him. He has played 10 since St. Andrew College days. Uh, he even had a run around a little bit for Otago last season when uh, Joshuani got injured in the 10 jersey. Uh, played three seasons of club footy at 10 as well. So not exactly a, uh, a complete surprise that he played 10, but uh, certainly... Uh, if you're a fit Mitch Hunt and uh, Sam Gilbert's playing 10, what does that mean for you? Um, let us know. Double eight double three is the temper bed post text machine. Uh, ta- Cam has sent a text through to us. Uh, five on the trot. How good is it to be a Bronco supporter? By no means did they play well, but still put 36 points on the Knights. It does show how bad the Knights are, or does it show how good the Broncos could really be? Um, yeah, that's, uh, that's fair. I think it shows a bit of both. Um, I thought, with, as I said, with Dane Gagai and Tyson Frizzell, Anthony Milford coming back, the Knights were definitely going to be a tougher proposition. I actually backed the Broncos to win unders um, off the back of that, and then when Adam Reynolds wasn't playing, I was like, but worried that the, that the Knights might get it done. And it was tight for a long time. That game was probably tight for about 60 minutes, but then uh, the Broncos ran away with it at the end. Thanks for your text, Cam. Also, uh, Jason has sent this text through. I think the Warriors should go into partnership with the Auckland Blues Super Rugby team and have both memberships as Team Auckland, meaning that Warriors supporters can have discounted memberships to the Blues and the Blues can have Blues fans can have discounted memberships to the Warriors. It'll grow both. It'd be great if both rugby and the NRL in New Zealand get together and help one another. It's not the worst idea. I mean, we have had that talk about the Crusaders. I mean, they, they, they have a really good relationship with the Melbourne Storm. And there has been some ideas floated, I think, by uh, Tony Kemp that the Crusaders should bid for an NRL franchise. Tony Kemp is just this ideas machine ever since he's come into SCNZ and you know now he's got the breakfast show. He's, he's bringing them all. Mate, he, I love his idea about the Southern Bears because, uh, I mean, North Sydney Bears, you know, such a storied, you know, history with that club and everything. And then, you know, they went away. And what was it, like 1999 and just disappeared out of first grade? And, I mean, we see, you know, New South Wales Cup, you know, we've ta- the Warriors have taken a couple of players out of that squad. And, yeah, let's just make it happen, man. Yeah. Bring, bring back the Bears. Bring back the Bears. Well, I mean, because there's a lot of Kiwis tied in with the Bears. Uh, Daryl Halligan started his league career there. Mark Graham was there. Olsen Filipina was there. So, yeah, there's definitely been a few. Um, I believe we've got a call. Are we going to calls early? 
or no, we're not. Okay, I'll just uh, John hold there, and we'll come to you shortly. Um, but yeah, no, I think it's, that's a good idea. Uh, what Jason suggested on the Warriors. Can you imagine the rivalry if the Crusaders then had an NRL team and the Blues and the and the Warriors partnered up? That rivalry would just go to a next level. But, uh, it's Friday, and I've literally just clicked. The North Sydney Bears, red and black, Canterbury, red, red and black. black. It just yeah. it makes perfect sense. It does make honestly, Tony Kemp makes sense at the best. Uh, you know, people don't give him enough credit. He makes he makes a lot of sense. And speaking of Tony Kemp, uh, not only does he make sense, but uh, he might be challenging Izzy and Paul Mawadi for the uh, for the vocal king of uh, SCNZ. Uh, check this out from earlier this morning. It's the off-season and I'm trying to ignore you S-E-N-Z rings asking about you I wish I didn't care It's not gonna be our year Sean Johnson signs Reese Walsh has a scandal Cam George is sorry Can Brownie handle another year? Could this be our year? Then we start playing and we're missing our tackles And then as he said, stay away from Uncle Kemp And I was crying on the radio Begging you, let's go on walls And I said, warriors, take me off to the promised land We'll do this every year We can still make the eight You'll be the prince and I'll be the cyclops It's a love story, baby, it's our year Yeah, it's our year Uh, yeah, uh What's your American Idol take on My that? My American Idol take on that is it was flatter than the Auckland Golf on a good day. Um, so probably a no from me. Oh, I'm going to say, Kempi, sorry. That's pitchy, dog. That's pitchy. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it, we are doing uh, We love you, Kempi. We, we do. do. We do. We do. But, uh, mate, yeah, honestly. Uh, but that's all good. Maybe maybe we'll get Izzy to do more of the singing. Uh, it is coming up uh, talkback time. If you've got something that you want to get off your chest, 0800 150 811. 0800 150 811. Sam Gilbert and 10, what did you make of that interview? And the fact that he's not just a brand new manufacturer, ten, he has got a bit of experience there. Uh, you can give us a call. Thoughts on that? I see Ethan Blackhead has been named at eight for the Crusaders this weekend. Maybe uh, some thoughts around that as well. And Kempe's idea about the Southern Bears and the North Sydney Bears relocating to Christchurch. Uh, any of those or anything else? Of course, we do have uh, the French Open getting underway this weekend, and we had that great game between the Broncos and the Knights last night. Or maybe it's Premier League that interests you with all those games this morning. Give us a call 0800 150 811 time for news and sport now with Araha Talkback time with Smithy brought to you by Chemist Warehouse great savings every day call now for a chance to win today's $50 Chemist Warehouse voucher 0800 150 811 
That's the number. You know it. Pick up your phone 0800 150 811. If you've got the SCNZ app and you're listening on your app, you can actually call from within the app so you don't have to jump out. So uh, that's that's always a bonus. You can also text from within the app as well. So if you're listening, you don't have to jump out of the app to, to text us on double eight double three, which is the temper bed post text machine. Or you can call us from it on 0800 150 like John uh, in Auckland has done. G'day, John. How you doing, bud? Yeah, good, bud. How's it going? Yeah, not too bad, mate. Not too bad. What do you want to talk about this morning? Oh, you know, awesome interview this morning with um, Gilbert. Oh, I thanks, think, bro. Um, yeah, yeah, no, it's good. I think uh, he'll probably be starting there for the rest of the year for the Highlanders. Um, you know, he was quite influential in that game. I, I mean, I know it's only the force, but um, his running lines, you know, he's running onto the ball. He's not standstill. Um, he actually plays more like a second five. Yeah, well, he, I mean, uh, more than the first five. Yeah, uh, I, I think what that also does is it opens things up for um, either Fakatava or Smith at halfback as well. It gives them a running option, which you know uh, previously they probably haven't had because if he runs, then the defence has got to spread, and so that creates uh, creates gaps around the ruck as well. Oh, definitely, mate. And you know, if they they get a crack at the Blues, if the Blues finish first and they finish eighth, imagine if it's you know twenty one twenty two to the Blues with five minutes to go, Fakatava comes on. And Gilbert's there, 10 metres out from the line. Yeah. You know, anything can happen. So they're a very unpredictable team. Um, but then I, I heard the conversation about Kempi wanting the Crusaders in the NRL. That's what I really wanted to talk about. Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, what, what do you think? I think it's awesome, mate. I think a lot of people don't realise that Canterbury is actually a stronghold for rugby league in New Zealand. Yeah. Oh, so and, many good um, players they, come out of there, eh? Yeah, yeah. David Kidwell came from there, you know. A lot of good um, rugby league clubs down there. They're probably just behind Auckland in terms of uh, rugby league talent in New Zealand. So I think it is a strong base. Um, I've been listening to your counterparts on uh, SEN Australia in New South Wales. Yeah, and what are they I saying? We can listen. Uh, well, they they're not too sure where the, they all think the team should be based on Wellington. I don't think um, I've been trying to call them. Have they got a number? We can call them from New Zealand? You should be able to call them from the app, I think. Uh, but let, I'll find that out, John, and I'll let you know. Yeah, well, uh, they actually have a lot of good conversations in terms of um, you know the expansion of the NRL. Um, they, don't have, they don't talk much about rugby union, though, but that's all good. No. Um, but yeah... <laughs> you notice that when you go to Australia, mate. It's 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 so encompassing here. But I was, you know, I was looking through the Melbourne Age website the other day, um, yeah. and the, you know, you got uh, like half a dozen stories at the top. Five of the six were AFL, and the other one I think was about Daniel Ricciardo. Uh, so F one, and then the next block down was AFL. So you have eight, you know half a dozen AFL stories. The block down after that was. Uh, I think basketball. The block down after that was yeah. football. The block down after that was motorsport, and then there was a block at the bottom that was other sports. And there were five <laughs> stories in there, and none of them were about rugby. So, yeah, exactly. Mate. Right, you, it's, just, it's just invisible over there, mate. It's uh, it really is. But um, we've got a we've got a number. Logan's got a number for you. Are you going to give uh, give John this number? Yeah, yeah John, yes, write this. Yes, yes. Yeah, John, write this down, mate. You can call through the app if you hit up the SEN one one seven zero frequency, but also you could call them on one three triple zero triple one seven zero. Do you want to give us that again? Okay, one three. 
one three triple zero triple one seven zero. There you go. All right, John. Um, so yeah, awesome. Now, Jason had mentioned that he thought that the Warriors and the Blues should go into partnership. Uh, I mean, if you if the Crusaders end up in partnership mm. with the the Southern Bears, we have two uh, Super Rugby Super Rugby giants with NRL franchises. Uh, what do you think of that? You think that's a way forward potentially? Um, yeah, potentially. I, I remember in the past the Blues and the Warriors used to train together, um, but you know most leagueies here in Auckland and in New Zealand they're not too fond of um, mixing with rugby union boys. Um, so, <laughs> so I'm not too sure about that. But then again, you know you could transfer the the knowledge that the Blues have with their coaching staff to the Warriors, and that might help um, in terms of facilities as well. I mean. They actually share the facilities with Moana Pacifica, so that might be more in tune with them. Mm, yeah, true. Um, being with Moana Pacifica. But uh, in saying that, you know, the Warriors still got a lot of work to do, mate. Um, but uh, like we were talking about yesterday, the NRL is probably the best competition we we have uh, in Australasia at the moment. And then Super Rugby is a distant third or fourth. Yeah, I don't, don't necessarily disagree with you, John. Hey, thanks very much for your call. You can get your calls through uh, on Talkback Time on 0800 150 811. We do have a $50 Chemist Warehouse gift card for the caller of the day. Uh, a man who probably knows a bit more about Sam Gilbert and the Highlanders uh, than most is Dean from Dunedin. G'day, mate. How are you? Yeah, really good. I'm a little bit disappointed I missed that interview. I won't, you'll be able to answer this, though. Like, how did he, how did he communicate? Was he pretty good? Yeah, no, he's great, mate. He was a, he, he was a great uh, communicator. He was he was a good chat. You can go to the uh, SCNZ uh, website and uh, or on the app, and you can listen to all the podcasts. All the interviews get podcasts, so you'll be able to go back and listen to that Sam Gilbert interview. But yeah, no, he was good, mate. Um, I think the the big thing that I wanted to talk about was you know. Um, at the beginning of the season, I had had that conversation with Jeff Wilson about when the Highlanders named their squad, they only had two tens in the squad, uh, officially the way it was named, and, and Hunt and Banks. Uh, so I wanted to talk to him about whether or not it was always the plan for him to be the you know the third choice 10, but it doesn't seem that it was. But it wasn't like 10 was that much of a... Uh, you know how it got made out in the media that he hadn't played there since high school? Uh, well, he played there a bit for Otago last season in the NPC when Joshuani got injured. So he, he does have previous, and he played three uh, three years of club footy at 10 as well. So he does have a bit more experience at 10 than maybe we were led to believe to start with. Well, that, that for me, it's almost like music to me ears because I rung Staffy after the first week when they lost to the Chiefs in that magnificent maroon jersey, I might add. And that would come down to a dodgy four pass to Sam Kane for the first try of the competition. Then they reviewed airs on the same four pass as they would, and we got disallowed. But he played 15 that day, mm. and I've seen enough in that to say that I think he could be the bolter in the All Blacks. Since then, Tony, for whatever reason, you have to ask him to put him on the wing. Yep. And he goes okay there, but that, that's like the Will Jordan thing on the wing. He's the best attacking option the, the Highlanders have. You've got Umanga Jensen, who's really starting to hit his straps too at 13. I'm not sold at all on Garden Basher, but 15, he dances with the zoo, so I don't know where his head's at. But um, then they put him at 10. Mwanga's got a defensive deficiency that we're all aware of. He's a fantastic super rugby player, but unfortunately I believe that's his loss. Now that Gilbert's come along, if they're prepared to take Rico Iwani on a three-year journey to try and turn him into a 13 with limited distribution skills and vision, why don't they grab this kid now and turn him into something? Bowden's going to be 10 without doubt. Will Jordan's going to be 15 without doubt, barring injury. That kid can be in the reserves, sit there for a couple of years, put him in now, 
and we've got a really, really good goal-kicking backup. He's a better fullback than he's ever going to be a teammate. Like you said, he hits the line. That's how a fullback hits the line. He's not a 12. They're too, too big and tall, but, I mean, we've got Geordie Barrett. This, well, I'd like to see him play 13, mate. I'm, Dave Harvilli, for me, fits the 12 jersey perfect. We don't have a Mahanonu type. So that's where I'd like to see the, the all-black selectors go because we've been battling for a long time. He's tall. You've got to have a tall bloke at fullback with the aerial game that everybody plays now. And yeah. he looked really good. If anyone wants to watch that Chiefs game, he looked really good at 15. I don't know why they moved him to the wing. I've got no idea. No, well, He's been one of the yeah, standouts for the Highlanders all season, I think, Sam Gilbert. I think that's fair to say, Dean. And, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I, like, I like where you're going with it. I would say probably in terms of form, and in terms of maybe being a little bit ahead of Sam uh, Gilbert in, in, in development, is Stephen Petafeta is also the guy that can play 10, can play 15, can be the utility for the All Blacks. I think he's probably the third best 10 in the country at the moment. Uh, Zaid joins us. G'day, Zaid. How are you doing, bud? Yeah, all good. I, I agree with you. Yeah, definitely Stephen Petafeta. He's been outstanding for the Blues all year. Fullback, as soon as Bowden Barrett's been there, I don't know if missed a I don't even think we've missed Bowden Barrett when he hasn't been. He gets slot Perifetta straight into first five. I'm looking forward to this Brumbies game t- tomorrow night. Um, I can't wait for it. Uh, I know Tom Robinson, um, Kerry, and Rico Ioani's out, but you don't miss much, you know. You put Anton Segna back in the six. He's a beast. And you've got Bryce Heem, who we didn't miss a trick at all. When we bring Bryce Heem on last week, I was at the game. You know, um, Rico Ioani went down for 10 minutes. Bryce Heem came straight on the field and scores two tries. Uh, he's been an absolute fine from the Blues. I don't know um, why he wasn't in New Zealand before then, but um, he's definitely, um, I know he's quite old, but he's he's a good player because the Blues have got a lot of young players and like he just provides so much for the Blues, Bryce. He, he can play anywhere in their back line, I've heard, other than pretty much first five or half. Like he can play centre, second five. He can play on the wing. He can play on the fullback. He's just so good. And that James Tucker, if he's going to be a bolter for the All Blacks, You've got to watch out, man. He's a beast at locks. Yeah, well, mate, so you made some good points there, mate. Uh, there's, we got a few good young locks kicking around. Um, you know, there's uh, oh, young young Arkoy uh, and Josh Lord, both out of the Chiefs, I think are, are worth a look as well. One last thing. I watched that Chelsea game this morning. Big Chelsea fan, but that game was a whole lot of rubbish. That was crap. Oh well, neither side have got anything to play for, mate. Easy chance, and you would have been better off watching. Uh, you would have been better off watching Everton Palace because Everton are trying to stay up. You know uh, that that was a well, great game. Like support, uh, Everton yeah. Everton were two 0 down at halftime. Came back and won it three two in the second half. So uh, that was uh, that was not, a great not game. Who I support, but anyway, yeah. Yeah. No. Thanks for your calls, eh? Cheers. 0800-150-811 is the number if you want to call through for Talkback Time. A $50 Chemist Warehouse gift card is available. We've had a couple of texts uh, through. Um, I reckon Tony Brown and Aaron Smith would have been planning for the Blues about three weeks ago from Jamie. Yep, thanks for that, Jamie. I think you're probably right. Those guys um, are pretty on point. And uh, this one from JD. Morning, Ricardo. Watched both championship playoffs. Nottingham Forest more skillful and will probably be more successful in the Premier League. But Huddersfield have a unique team culture. The Terriers to pinch it 1-0. 
Well, that's the big playoff game, the richest game in football, they call it. That is going to be uh, at Wembley in a week's time, and uh, the winner of that gets to play Premier League. And I think you're right. I think whoever wins that is probably better suited to survival in the Premier League than either of the two teams that went up automatically, actually, JD. Uh, just seen the uh, League Two playoff semi-final between Swindon and Port Vale go to penalties. Port Vale have gone through. They'll take on Nigel Clough's Mansfield Town. Uh, in the uh, League Two playoff final in a few weeks as well. Uh, some news through that Paul Cole, our squash player, is through to the semi-finals of the World Champs. So congratulations to him. A two-hour battle to get through that one. Uh, that is absolutely superb. If, if you've ever played a game of squash, you know just how tough that really is. Uh, this is Mornings with Ian Smith. Ricardo Ball in for him. He will be back on Monday, 14 away from 10. Summer or winter, he's the voice of sport in Aotearoa. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. Yeah, 10 away from 10 here on SENZ. Uh, you can, of uh, course, call us on 0800 150 or text us on the Temper Bedpost text machine, double eight double three. Temper and Bedpost's range of mattresses and adjustable bases adapt to the exact shape of your body so you can put your head and feet up in comfort. Had a couple of great texts through. Uh, this one from Reese in Dunedin. Uh, hey, Ricardo. Uh, Villamoni Kuroi was picked as the third choice 10 for the Highlanders. He has played games there for Otago in the past and had a run there against Moana Pacifica this year, but I like the way Gilbert plays and would happily have him as the long-term 10. He can kick, he can carry, he can tackle, and he communicates everything you need from a 10. His physicality on an edge slash wing or fullback could be what the ABs are after too, you never know. Yeah, thanks very much, Reese. it's a great text. Really appreciate it. Keep those coming through. Uh, also, Dean, who we had on before, has texted back on the Stephen Pettifetter idea and said, Stephen's a 10 who can play 15, but I'd be worried about his kicking game uh, but more defensively uh, ask Bodie why he said no more 15 for me it's simple physics big man uh, on wee man big man wins tell me a top na- uh, nation international that has a small 11 or 14 I like Stephen a lot he's a number 2 10 for me but 15 at test level no good um, so there you go thanks very much uh, Dean for continuing that conversation uh, Zaid has also texted through um, do you have a power play for me for the Crusaders game tonight that's paying a little bit of value so I can put some money on it? I will have a look, Zade, and I will let you know. So you keep listening uh, to SENZ. And, of course, we do have that $50 Chemist Warehouse gift card to give away. And Brett has uh, texted through, and uh, although Brett didn't call through, so he's not eligible, he has suggested that we should give it to John. Yep. And you're 100% correct, Brett. So we've already uh, we've sent the congratulatory text to John from Auckland. Really brought forward a lot of great ideas, uh, as he often does when he calls through. So, yeah, he is the winner of the $50 Chemist Warehouse voucher for today. Yeah, so well done, John. And uh, we'll be back on Monday with another $50 Chemist Warehouse gift card with Talkback Time here on SENZ. Number one selling side-by-side brand. Summer or winter, he's the voice of sport in Aotearoa. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ.
We're a couple of minutes away from 10 o'clock and the latest in news and sport from Araha Hathaway. Uh, after 10 o'clock, Angus Hamilton is going to join us. Angus is a tennis pundit. Uh, he's a, a bit of a tennis guru, really. And he's also a bookie. So he gives you the insight from both sides, both from a bookmaker's point of view and a, and a, and a, and a punting point of view, but also from the game at, uh, itself. So, uh, yeah, Angus is coming up just after 10 o'clock to preview the French Open, which gets underway on Sunday, New Zealand time. Now, uh, Zaid asked before on the text machine, 8833, the Temper Bedpost text machine, for uh, some oil on the uh, Crusaders match, somewhere he, he might be able to make a little bit of uh, coin. Uh, well, Zaid, I'll tell you what, I, I, given that the way the Crusaders love a line-out drive, and they're playing a Drua side who Moana Pacifica scored through a line-out drive against. Um, so I don't know that they defend them particularly well. Ricky Jackson, who's starting hooker for the Crusaders this weekend, is paying $6 to score two or more tries. I'd have a look at that, mate. There you go. There's a, there's a tip for now. On double eight double three, we've had these texts come through. Uh, from Chris, you don't have to be a big man to play fullback. Um or wing. Cheslin Colby is pretty good at 15 and 14. That's true. And uh, also, morning, Ricardo. I think the AB selectors should use the Irish games as trials and spread the net wide. We need to find some power forwards to set a platform. We have heaps of options in the backs. Cheers, Brian. Yeah, thanks for your text, Brian. I don't know if they'll do that. We have a New Zealand A tour to South Africa at some point this year, apparently. And we've got uh, New Zealand Māori will also play two games against the Irish. So I don't know if they need to... Uh, Tutu too much with the All Black team as it were. I think they've got 18 tests before the World Cup starts and they will not so much be wanting to trial players but they'll be certainly trying things and I look forward to seeing that happen. Here's the latest in news and sport for you. One selling side by side brand. From behind the stumps to behind the mic, nothing gets past Smithy. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. Just gone three past ten here on Mornings with Ian Smith, Ricardo Ball in for him. He'll be back for you on Monday. Uh, the Commonwealth Games Athletics team has just been released for Birmingham. Uh, this is what it looks like. Lauren Bruce in the women's hammer throw, Julia Ratcliffe in the women's hammer throw, and Nic- Nicole Bradley in the women's hammer throw. Wow. Three hammer throwers. I could see... Hammer throwing becoming the new New Zealand obsession now after shot put now. Uh, by the looks of that, uh, Olivia McTaggart and Imogen Aris are in the women's pole vault. Uh, Madison Weschke in the women's shot put. Tori Peters in the javelin. Zoe Hobbs, women's 100 metres. Portia Bing, women's 400 metre hurdles. Keely O'Hagan in the women's high jump. Jack O'Gill and Tom Walsh in the men's shot put. Hamish Kerr in the men's high jump. Connor Bell in the men's discus. Quentin Rue in the men's 10,000 metre race walk. George Beamish in the men's 5,000 metres. And conditionally selected are Sam Tanner in the men's 1,500 and Eric Speakman in the men's 5,000 metres. So that is the New Zealand athletics team for the Com Games in Birmingham. Just come out now from the New Zealand Olympic Committee. Uh, they've just released that. So um, thanks for them sending that through. Uh, I think uh, staff's got a few of those on this afternoon, isn't he? Logan? Yeah, I believe uh, Steph in the afternoons has a huge lineup uh, with some of the names that you just rattled off there. Big contingent there going to Commonwealth Games, man. I'm really looking forward to that. We uh, we also just had a text through on the Temper Bedpost uh, text machine here from Mark wanting a score update on Dustin Johnson. You just heard in the news there from Araha about Ryan Fox. Dustin not going as well. Uh, he is tied for 70th right now through 13 holes. He's 
two over. Uh, he got a he had a bogey on the second hole, so he didn't start that great. And then he tried to pick things back up there. Uh, damn, my scorecard just refreshed. On me. <laughs> I hate uh, with a, with a birdie on the tenth, uh, and then he got two bogeys back to back on the eleventh and twelfth. Uh, so yeah, DJ not going so well there. No, not going too good at all. Uh, I also see, speaking of the Com Games, uh, the Australian, because uh, of course cricket, T20 cricket is the Com Games this time round, and the Australian women have announced uh, their T20 team, and it's pretty much the team that absolutely destroyed everybody at the uh, One Day World Cup recently, the Cricket World Cup. So I think uh, you'd have to make them strong gold medal favourites, wouldn't you? Yeah, I mean, God, Australian cricket, like women's cricket, just insane what we saw from that tournament in New Zealand. Uh, one cool little stat there, Elise Perry, a name you know we all know, uh, the only athlete to represent her their country in both cricket and a football World Cup will add a Commonwealth Games appearance to her decorated resume as they try to, you know, just show the world again, or at least the Commonwealth, just how good they are at cricket. Yeah, I mean, uh, uh, this is how good they've gone. Matthew Mott who was the coach of that Australian women's team at the World Cup that won it and cleaned it up, absolutely uh, demoed all of the opposition, has just been named the white ball coach for the English men's team. Um, so he he so he is going from the women's game to the men's game, and he's, uh, he's basically going to, I don't know how closely him and uh, Brendan McCullum will be working together, but one's going to be the test coach, one's going to be the white ball coach. So you'd imagine there'd be some conversations happening at that level. So that's interesting, uh, seeing a guy uh, transition from one to the other. Just struggling to get Ang- Angus Hamilton up uh, at the moment, unfortunately. But I can tell you uh, that Rory McElroy does lead. He is a five under uh, at 65 for the tournament. He's in the clubhouse. Zalatoris Hoge at four under. And Matt Kucha and uh, Ansa are at three under at the moment. Uh, is still out on the course. Uh, now, uh, coming to us out of Costa Rica is uh, tennis aficionado and uh, bookmaker extraordinaire, Angus Hamilton. G'day, mate. How are you? Very well, Ricardo. Thank you. Yeah, good to talk to you too, mate. You, uh, sounds like you're in a hallway at the moment, but hopefully we can get that sorted, mate. Uh, we have the draw for the French Open, which starts on Sunday done. And, you know, no surprises that Novak Djokovic is the favourite, having seen what he did in Rome. Um, and he's got a reasonably straightforward draw looking at it. I mean, uh, probably um, the biggest challenge for him is going to come uh, somewhere around the the, court, uh, the uh, round of 16 with maybe uh, Gregor Dimitrov, um, probably his biggest threat, do you think? Yes, I mean, Gregor Dimitrov's been in good form, actually. Um, hopefully the sound will improve in the next minute or so. But, yeah, he has been in good form. He played well in the Masters events. Um, I don't think he's, obviously, he's not the player he was six, seven years ago. But... Um, uh, that's a that's a tricky match, but really, the the problem for Djokovic really is he's in the same quarter as Nadal and the same half as Alcaraz. Yeah, and I think that that that's the problem. The bottom half of the draw has ended up being very weak. Uh, the betting before uh, the draw was basically nine or ten dollars fit to pass twenty plus on uh, Zverev and. Um, and then the rest were getting up to 50-plus, and it suddenly opens the draw up for people like Sinner, the Italian, Rublev, 
the second rush. And even Medvedev, who's not a clay quarter, has been presented with a really good draw. Um, so it's, uh, it's a very interesting draw. It's sort of what most purists in a way, well, not purists, but uh, for the bookies, it's not bad at all. Because only one of the big three can get to the final. Yeah, well, I mean, let's talk a little bit about Carlos Alcaraz because he's not maybe the household name of uh, Djokovic and Nadal. He's been talked about as being the new Nadal. Do you think he's there yet? Or, I mean, if these two meet head-to-head in this tournament, uh, who's going to win, do you think? Is it the old Nadal or the new Nadal? Well, I think the problem Nadal's got, I mean, he he did show it in Italy, uh, and and a, I suppose, in a way, it, it has caught up with him over the years, Nadal, this whole injury, the spectre of injuries. Mm. Uh, and, and Shapovalov is not a clay quarter, and he was in control. I mean, he won the first set very easily, and then obviously he had problems with his feet and the third set. So I think with his draw, Nadal, he's got a, a lot to do. Um, I think Alcaraz would fancy his chances against Nadal. Djokovic is the danger. Uh, I think the problem with Alcaraz... He did play very well at the U.S. Open last year, bit fit to pass, got to the quarterfinals. But it always takes a while for these young players, unless you're an absolute freak, which he might be, to, to hit it off and to really play your best in the five sets of a Grand Slam. Um, I tell you what was a, a stroke of luck for Alcaraz is the fact he picked up fairly minor injuries in Rome, uh, despite winning the tour, uh, despite winning, not in Rome, I'd say Madrid, despite winning the tournament. He, he decided not to play Rome. And I think that's done him the power of good. I really would have thought it would be really tough for a guy of his age to play the two, the, the two Masters 100 events, uh, Masters 1000 events in America and in, 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 uh, in Europe, and then go on to win the French Open. So he should be in tip-top form, and at least he doesn't have to play Nadal or Djokovic before the semis. Yeah, which uh, that, that's a massive bonus for him. Uh, that that side of the draw though, does, as you say, uh, look pretty tough. What about um, a smoky on that side of the draw? I mean, I'm, I'm looking at it and thinking, you know, clay is uh, a surface unto its own. So, you know, a guy like Fabio Fognini, maybe someone like that, do you think could, could make a run here? No, I, th- I think he's had his day. Uh, I mean, I think he won the, the Monte Carlo Masters three years ago. Uh, actually beat Nadal, I think, in the final. Uh, and, and on his day, was a gr- very, very good clay quarter. But I think age has caught up with him. I, I do feel that applies to, well, Stan Ruinka, obviously, but he's had a lot of injury problems. Uh, but even Diego Schwartzman is a good clay quarter. I just don't think these guys are going to be able to cut it now at their age against some of the, some of the top players. And, I, I, you know, I did actually think a month ago, it was probably more wide open than it appears now. Ditsipas has been incredibly consistent and obviously lost in the final last year. And he's got a great opportunity to make the final. But is he value? Probably not. Uh, you know, Fanini, uh, not for, yeah, uh, 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 sorry, Rublev beat uh, uh, Djokovic in Serbia in the final. He actually won the third set in the best of three, six love. Uh, but he's been disappointing since. But he's got a great draw. He's in Medvedev's quarter. And, and maybe he's a dark horse to make the final. 
Yeah, there's. I mean, there's there's a few uh, that get thrown up around French Open time, aren't there? Names that you sometimes haven't, uh, you don't hear of during the season that that stick their heads up over the parapet. Uh, I mean, looking at the bottom half of the draw, uh, Daniel Medvedev. I mean, it's not his preferred surface, but with the way things are uh, looking around Wimbledon, do you think that'll drive him to to really try and get a payday here, given he might not be able to play uh, the All England? Well, I, I just think it's more of a case. He, he hasn't had many warm-up matches. He, he's come back this week. He's lost to Gasquet. Gasquet's clearly at the end of his career. Mm. But the one thing he's got going for him, if you look at his draw, he's got a ridiculously easy draw earlier on. I mean, Kekmanovic isn't a bad player. And if he's not at his best, he could lose to him. And that's a guy he'd play in the last 32. And the same with Karina Busta. But they're not world beaters. Um, I'd say so if he could pick up a bit of form, he, he, he has got a draw to do some damage. But you'd have to say that his, obviously his best service is hard courts, whether it's in Australia or the US Open where he, uh, you know, he won the title. Um, and then followed by, I think he played very well on, on grass last year until he lost to Hubert Hurkas. Uh, but Clay's his weakest surface. I don't think anyone's really expecting him to win the title. Having said that, he can make a run here. Uh, you know, when you get a draw like this, when, when you go into today and basically they're betting 270 Djokovic, $3 Alcaraz and 450 Nadal and only one of those can make the final, you know that something's really going to open up somebody. Yeah. Uh, and and uh, the bottom half of the draw has really opened up. I mean, look, it was a 50-50 chance that uh, Djokovic would get, you know, one of those two players in his half of the draw and he's having to get both of them. Uh, in terms of Nadal and Alcaraz. Yeah, well, what about Stefano Tsitsipas then? I mean, he feels like the guy on tour at the moment that's probably uh, outside of the big names in the top half of the draw. He is in the bottom half of the draw, but he feels like the guy that's most Swiss army knife, if you like, and able to uh, to pull it out on uh, on any surface. Yeah, look, he, it, it was surprising last year. I, I think he didn't play it right in terms of the way he prepared himself for Wimbledon, but he just looks all over a Wimbledon player. Uh, and actually, it's almost surprising that he got to the French Open final last year. But his form on clay has been excellent. Uh, I, I mean, he's, he's, he's lost a, a close match to Alcaraz. Uh, and uh, I think he lost to Alcaraz in Miami as well on the hard court. But he's, he, he has been in, in tip-top form. Obviously, he lost the final last weekend to Djokovic. He lost the French Open two and five sets last year. He's got a great chance. The question is, is he value at the odds? Probably not. Um, but but if he if he you know if he was asleep earlier today and suddenly woke up and saw this draw, he'd be so pleased with it because it really does give him a great opportunity uh, to make the final. Um, but I, I'm not sure I can back him when you're talking about five dollars, six dollars. I mean you know he was almost double those odds before the draw, and that was understandable because people thought there was a fair chance to end up in the same section as Djokovic and Nadal. Yeah, no, that makes sense. But what about the the women's side of the draw? Over the last few years, we've been so used to seeing, uh, you know, the women's uh, draw at the Grand Slams so hard to pick. There's you know so many options. You could make a case for ten or twelve players uh, to to win it. But I'm looking at the odds for the women's French Open at the moment, and uh, it's Igor Fairtech at a dollar seventy three. And then the next off the rank is Simona Halep at eight dollars fifty. I mean, is this Fairtech's uh, to lose? Well, yes. I mean, oddly enough, they could meet each other in the last 16. But Simona Halep's form on clay hasn't been that great. And to be fair, it wasn't fantastic in Australia either. 
And 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 I think that uh, um, you know Simone probably needed a few more victories under her belt to to challenge Suatek. I mean Suatek does look imperious. I mean she's won five tournaments in a row. She very sensibly took Madrid off, even though I think she could have played there and had a minor injury. And I think this is the thing for some of these players: don't overdo it in the lead up to the French Open. And her and Alcaraz have got this spot on. Uh, and possibly like Kazitsipas could have played too much. I mean, who knows? Uh, Djokovic needed to play to find his form. But uh, you've got to say Swiatek is a worthy odds-on favourite. I think Oms Jabur, the other half of the draw, uh, won Madrid, runner-up to her in Italy. And it was a closer match than the score implied. It was 6-2-6-2, but really it should have been more like a 6-2-6-4 or something like that. Uh, Swiatek does seem a, a, a slightly better, well, not slightly better, a lot better than the rest at the moment. I mean, she's been stuffing the Sabalenka, who we know is a very good player. And, and I think, you know, really no one's challenged her. Andrescu, who won the US Open, what was it, probably three, four years ago now, is certainly coming into form. Um, uh, but I just don't think they can play the level of tennis that Swiatek can. You know, she came onto the scene, it was a big surprise. No one expects a Polish woman, really. It's just not something they've seen before. But she came on and swept everyone aside to win the French Open. And then last year, was, lost, I think it was a quarterfinal, very close one against Sakari. Verona Day can beat anyone. She's a big serving girl, Sakari, Greek girl. Uh, but this year, it does look like she's a step ahead. But you can't take that sort of price. And I think Ons Jabeur is probably the, 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 the woman in the second best form. So I'd certainly look her and Andrescu as possible an outsider. Uh, what about, uh, given that the Spanish tend to have clay in their veins when it comes to uh, tennis, what about Garbine Muguruza? Um, she's in the bottom half of the draw, currently ranked 10th. Is, this, uh, is she somebody that you could look at and think well, she, she's a chance given the way the draw has fallen for her? Well, I, I think the thing about Garbine Muguruza, I mean, she, she has basically played pretty miserably. I mean, she is playing this week, and I think the reason for that is she, she's struggling to find any form. I think she was complaining Madrid's never really suited her. Um, and I, 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 think, I think you'd have to say on form right now, you know, it's like there are several players in her boat as well who aren't playing that well. Um, I mean, she's got Canepi in, for, in the first round who's on her days for, uh, you know, beaten good players. There's never been consistent. She's got golf in round three. But she needs to find some form and need it very quickly. But you're right, she hasn't got a bad draw. We've got a hell of a first-round match between Anis Samova, who, you know, a few years ago got to the semi-finals and, and had Barty in trouble the year Barty won, having tra- absolutely thrashed Halep. And she's playing Naomi Osaka. And, you know, Osaka just doesn't look like she likes Claire at all. Uh, she's a bit like Medvedev in that respect. But uh, that, that is a really good first-round match to look forward to. Uh, Anis Samova had personal issues after doing well in Paris. And I think that set her back on her career. But... She's had some good form this year, so maybe maybe she can put in a run if she beats Osaka. Yeah. All right, Angus. Hey, listen, thanks very much for coming uh, on the show and giving us your thoughts on the French Open. We'll look forward to it, mate, and we'll catch up with you again soon, eh? Always a pleasure, Ricardo. Go well. Angus Hamilton there with us out of Costa Rica. When we come back, it is time for the panel with Kimberly Downs and Ollie Ritchie. Thank you, New Zealand, for making Polaris New Zealand's number one selling side-by-side brand. Summer or winter, he's the voice of sport in Aotearoa. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. Big talk, big opinions, the panel. This is SENZ. 
Mornings with Ian Smith, Ricardo Ball in for Smithy and time for the panel and joining us on the panel is the newest member of the SENZ team. She uh, is holding the fort down on a Friday when Kirst Stanway is away and trying to keep Beaver in line. That is uh, Kimberly Downs. G'day Kimberly, how are you doing? Good morning, good morning. Great, thank you. Looking forward to trying to keep Mitchell McClinigan in line this afternoon, actually, I believe, so that'll be even more fun. Well, it's probably even more of a challenge, to be fair. Um, <laughs> so good luck. Uh, and uh, and joining Kimberly Downs uh, is Ollie Ritchie. G'day, Ollie. How are you doing? Yeah, good morning. Very good. Kimberly's used to keeping me in line day to day, so I think she'll be just fine this afternoon with Mitch. Yeah, okay. Well, I can't she's... believe you're bringing this sort of heat already. All right. All right. <laughs> <laughs> All right, you two. All right, you two. Hey, let's uh, let's start off with a little little bit of Super Rugby chat. Uh, I I love a, a a great story, a great headline, um, and it's not always completely established. In fact, I talked to Sam Gilbert this morning out of the Highlanders, uh, and there was that big story when he was selected against the Force Ollie uh, that it was the first time he had played ten since his high school days, St Andrews College in Christchurch. Talked to him this morning. He's like, no. I Played 10 covering for Joshuani for Otago and the NPC last year. What are you on about? Yeah, well, he's, he's a little bit Mr. Versatile down there, isn't he? Um, you know, it's one thing to cover for, for Josh and, and NPC, which is a significant step down from, from Super Rugby, but it's another thing to, to hold your own running, a, running that back line uh, as he did last week and, and did really well. I was um, a little shocked that they um, were bringing Mitch Hunt off the bench. I know Mitch Hunt hasn't been uh, at his best this year, but you know I still think he's the best first five option they've got down there. Um, but yeah, look, he certainly held his own, um, kicked very well, um, and I think you know that probably opened Tony Brown's eyes a little bit to the fact that they have a genuine ten option there that they can move forward with. So we see another crack this weekend. Yeah, uh, looking forward to seeing how he goes, uh, Kimberly. Of course, it's interesting, though, what this means for Mitch Hunt going forward, particularly given that Tony Brown is not going to be coaching there next season. So whoever comes in, it'll be uh, it'll be a fresh look. Yeah, absolutely, it will be. And whoever comes in, I was going to have to have a bit of a makeover, I guess not, not just in that area, but the whole team, because they have been pretty disappointing this year, the Highlanders, I think, our last week's results aside. But I was also going to mention... Ricardo, um, when you're talking about you know versatility and where people were playing at high school, I feel like part of the reason Ollie and I have been put on this panel together is to dish the dirt a little. So I just wanted to make sure that you know that you are also talking to a ver- uh, very versatile rugby player <laughs> at the other end, Christchurch Boys High's uh, former first 15 halfback. So I just wanted to make sure that that was uh, that was put on the record. Right. Okay. Good to good to know. Uh, uh, so if if Ollie Ritchie's the former first fifteen halfback and he said that you keep him in line, does does that make you Jerry Collins, Kimberly? Is so you just come off the side and smash <laughs> smash him? Um, no, no. I I prefer to you know think of myself as kind of probably more of a Dan Carter, really, just running the whole operation. So yeah. Okay, Jerry. Yeah, you, you, you just tee him up, Ollie, and and. Uh uh, and let Kimberly make all the decisions. That's that's how it works, mate. Just say yes, honestly. Just say yes. It makes life that much mate, easier. I will uh, remember that. Don't worry. I've uh, <laughs> I've made no mistake that it is just yes, 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 
Um, I will I will never forget that, and it's certainly the word I will continue to live the rest of my life by. Yeah, yeah, you'd be a wise man to do so. This is the panel. Ollie Ritchie and Kimberly Downs with us. If you haven't guessed, uh, these two might be living together. Um, but uh, that, uh, if, if you weren't aware, uh, that is that is the situation. Hence this conversation. When we come back on the panel, though, we're going to continue the conversation around Super Rugby, particularly around Ethan Black at his switch to number eight. Is there anything that man can't do in the loose? We'll also talk cricket. We'll talk golf for the PGA Championship and Chanel Harris Tavita rejecting the Warriors' latest contract. All that and more to come after the latest news in sport with Araha. Big talk, big opinions, the panel. Yeah, the panel today, uh, Kimberly the Boss Downs and Ollie Yesman Ritchie. Um, <laughs> welcome back, guys. Uh, we, we should talk, uh, Ollie, about Super Rugby. And Ethan Blackett has switched to eight. We've seen him play seven. We've seen him play six. He seems to be able to do either pretty well. Uh, I expect more of the same from eight. Is there, is there anything this bloke can't do in the loose? Oh, probably not, to be honest, uh, Ricardo. He continues to go from strength to strength, doesn't he? And it was interesting when he was first used across uh, both blindside and open side flanker, um, becoming a little bit more versatile, even more so now, uh, packing down at, at the back of the scrum. Probably a little bit of an easier transition going six to eight than six to seven there. Um, you see a lot of blindside flankers have that ability to play uh, number eight as well. It's where Kieran Reid sort of started his career back down in, in Canterbury as well at, um, at blindside flanker. But what this does is it says to Ian Foster, I can cover any position in the loose board. Now, if I'm picking the All Blacks, which unfortunately I'm not, uh, Ethan Blackadder would be uh, my starting blindside flanker. I just think he is that good. He gives you that much impact. He's an out-and-out uh, blindside as well. Loves the collision, loves the breakdown, loves uh, getting his head into some dark places there. But what it does is it gives uh, Scott Robertson the chance to just um, play another few players against BG and Drew, who they're not expected to be too troubled against. Um, but yeah, if anything, it just says to Ian Foster, I can cover every position in the loose forwards, which not many other players can do. Um, so a real tick to Ethan Blackadder there. And I think it'll just be uh, really beneficial for him going forward. I don't expect him to be used there too much because he is, uh, a blindside flanker, but as I say, all it does is say that I can cover all positions in the loose boards. Kimberly, keen to get your thoughts on this. I mean, Ethan Blackout is a little bit taller than Artie Savier, and it feels to me like Artie Savier has become the All Black eight through default because the All Black selectors couldn't decide between him and Sam Kane. But I think we've seen against the French, against the English, and against the South Africans at times as well. Uh, we need a bigger man at number eight. Uh, we've seen Peter Gusso Kula. Uh, we've seen Hoskins Satudu uh, put their hands up uh, to be that guy. Um, your thoughts on Blackadder? I mean, is he a potential All Black eight? I think he has potential. I think you're right, though, in saying that Adi Savia is the man there. They're not going to change that. I think he's probably your perfect guy to come off the bench, to be honest. And at the moment, we're just so flush with options when it comes to those loose forwards. Really interesting as well, I think, in that four-pack to see Scott Barrett um, moving back onto the blind side. But I do just wonder whether that becomes quite an, a, an optimum kind of position for him, given when you look at it from an all-black perspective, the locking options are so good there. And the other part of the uh, Crusaders side that I was quite interested to see, um, and whether it's it's just a matter of the opposition and they want to make changes or whether it signals something more to come was actually George Bridge dropping out onto the bench and Lester Fanguku coming onto the wing, which to me was just like an interesting little point that I don't think got a huge amount of attention. But George Bridge hasn't been having 
um, I would say, his best ever season. And Whanganuka has been absolutely ripping it up when he comes onto the field. So I'll be interested to see how he goes uh, on the wing as well. Yeah, it's not like they're short of options, is it, uh, the Crusaders? Um, no. Kimberly, we should also talk uh, the Blackfern Sevens. Uh, Niall Williams has been uh, called up. She's back in the side after that neck injury uh, that I think a lot of people wondered whether she'd ever bounce back from. Well, I think she wondered whether she'd ever bounce back for, from it, and I think she was told at one point um, that she wouldn't be able to. Look, this is just another one of those brilliant uh, against-the-odds sort of stories for Niall Williams because she has worked and worked and worked her butt off uh, to get back into that team. To make the team in the first place, she was, of course, ruled out of the Tokyo Olympics um, with that neck injury at the 11th hour, and that was devastating for her. I don't think any of us probably can really understand just how much she would have been going through emotionally at that point, having that dream snatched away from her at the last moment so cruelly. So it speaks, I think, to, to just who she is and her determination as a person, the fact that she's managed to pick herself up, overcome that injury, and then be good enough again to make this side again. So, yeah, in Toulouse, uh, the tournament over the weekend, the World Series tournament over the weekend, will be her return to the Blackburn Sevens. I imagine it'll be a really emotional one. And I just, I just hope that New Zealand rugby fans, and New Zealanders in particular, just give her the credit that she deserves for making this comeback because I do think it is a really remarkable sporting comeback and I only wish the very best for her. Yeah, I, I agree with you on that one, Kimberly. And great to see you. It's a it's a good redemption story. Good to see her back in the side. Hey, let's uh, quickly switch to the Warriors. Uh, Chanel Harris Tavita apparently has rejected their latest contract offer. Ollie, uh, he said that he hasn't agreed a deal anywhere else. But I mean, uh, given that what we've seen, uh, we've got a couple of young halves come in. We've got Sean Johnson, who's obviously getting towards the end of his career. Uh, how much of a risk is it if the Warriors don't agree a deal to tie Harris Tavita down? Well, it's a huge loss for the Warriors because I think he's grown and grown over the last few seasons and shown just how comfortable he is or can be uh, in first grade and, and, you know, showing he has kind of that skill set that, that the Warriors need, a really good uh, defensive player as well, which has kind of never been in question, but certainly her, the way he runs that team and his attacking uh, skill set has certainly grown and grown uh, in his young career, but I, I certainly can't begrudge him for, for testing the market. You know, he's off contract. Uh, he's he's a hot hand at the moment. He's playing really well. Um, so good on him for testing the market. And if if you're Chanel Harris Tavita, he might be sitting there thinking, "Am I actually going to get the best out of myself as a Warriors, given the way that this team is going? Is this going to be the best for me in my career, or am I going to be better off?" Uh, and one of those Australian teams, I, I hear the Raiders are, are potentially one of those teams interested in him. You know, am I going to be better off uh, in checking myself into one of those teams and, and distancing myself uh, from the Warriors, which, you know, you, you could not argue with that decision uh, at the moment. So a huge loss for the Warriors and another one that comes through their junior program that will eventually end up playing for another team by the sounds of it, uh, but certainly can't begrudge Chanel Harris-Tavita for, for testing his value. I, I wonder, Kimberly, whether or not uh, Chanel Harris-Tavita has heard Nathan Brown's latest uh, uh, comment from a Warriors coach. Man, no wonder they pay this guy the big bucks. He said that they need wins to move away from the chasing pack. That's just incisive thinking, isn't what? it? <laughs> what? You are absolutely having a laugh. How did I not notice that? That is just, it's almost, you know, it's almost as good as those ones that go, you know, we need to score more points to win the game. That is outrageous. <laughs> <laughs> no, look, on, on what both you and Ollie are saying, I mean, 
honestly, I'm I'm kind of at the point with the Warriors now and with some of the performances that we've seen of late. You could tell me at this stage that 10 of them have decided to abandon their contracts and, and move off to another team, and I would barely raise an eyebrow mm. given how they're going at this stage. In terms of um, who the stocks that they do have, who have they signed recently? Volkman um, and Metcalf, wasn't it? So yeah. they are kind of getting themselves set up to or positioning themselves for him to go away. And it's just such a shame. It's, it's such a shame to see young, good homegrown talent in that way um, move offshore. But at the same time, like I say, it, it doesn't, it wouldn't surprise me in the slightest given how things are going. And it may work out, well, it should work out, you would think, the best for him. And you never know, we could see him back the same way Sean Johnson's come back um, at a later stage, having developed uh, a bit more. And, and it may work out for the Warriors in the end. But yeah, I certainly wouldn't begrudge anyone at this stage testing the waters and seeing if there is anything a bit better for them and for their development out there. Yeah, I look forward to seeing where he does land. Uh, Finally, guys, uh, we have uh, golf on at the moment, the PGA Championship. Uh, uh, DeChambeau, Bryson DeChambeau has uh, withdrawn, but Ryan Fox uh, flying the flag. He's tied for 31st at the moment, even. uh, Rory McIlroy leads at five under. Dustin Johnson has blown out, but uh, Ryan Fox at the moment is on a, I think he's had, what, four of his last five finishes have been top 10 uh, in the European Tour. He's he's going great guns, Ollie. He's just not closing the fourth round out enough, is he? Yeah, needs a few more birdies, doesn't he? And we could all say that. Um, certainly the weekend hacks wouldn't mind a few birdies, that's for sure. But Ryan Fox uh, is playing very good golf and he'll be happy even through uh, the first round at the moment. It's great. I think it puts him around the 25th mark um, or somewhere around there anyway, certainly uh, in contention. So Look, he's in great form, as, as you rightfully point out, and, and he's displaying more of that. And if he can just get you know, a few more birdies, play a few more uh, of those holes a, a little bit better than he currently is, he'll put himself right in the hunt. You know, we've seen Dustin Johnson blow out, Tiger Woods has blown out, Rory McIlroy shot five under for his first round. So uh, he's certainly playing the house down. But for, for Ryan Fox to be where he is at the moment, I think it's great. And it's a testament to the hard work he's put in and the form he's been able to produce on that European tour at the moment to go to the PGA Championship, play as well as he is at the moment. He's in a good spot. Yeah, he's in a, he's in a really good spot at the moment, Kimberly. Uh, he, I think he's one of the, the more understated Kiwi athletes running around, particularly given the, the sport he does. He's just so approachable. He's, uh, you know, he runs his charities and things, uh, and he, he just gets on with getting it done. Uh, I don't know if there's a more likeable Kiwi uh, sportsman running around at the moment, is there? Um, oh, I don't want to get into a, uh, a, a discussion necessarily on the most likable Kiwi sports person because I feel like we are lucky enough to have so many of them. But yeah, he's certainly up there. Very affable, isn't he? Always keen for a chat, uh, always open to, to talking about whatever you like, really. And he did have a hard run of it as well. I mean, he was back home for a couple of months um, with COVID situation just after he'd secured that big win um, in the UAE. Now, like you mentioned, he's had about four top 10 finishes in his last five tournaments, so all you ever want to see is him doing well, and particularly because the last time he played the PGA Championship was back in 2019, I think, and he missed mm. the cut, so you'd love to see him uh, make the cut this time around, which he's certainly on track for, and you mentioned a couple of the guys who have blown out, and I think that also puts it into perspective just how well he's been doing, because I don't think conditions have been very easy over there in Tulsa, but the likes of... I haven't checked on his score lately, but I, I looked at Brooks Kepka's card earlier and he was five over through the front nine. So, you know, con- compared to those big, big names, 
he's doing incredibly well so far. He's putting himself right in the hunt. It's only one day in, obviously, uh, but you just you love to see him doing well, and I would love to see him make the cut and finish well this tournament. Yeah, you'd love to see that. Uh, like they say, you know, you can't win it on the first day, but you can lose it, so he's definitely staying in contention. Hey, Ollie, uh, Kimberly, thanks very much for coming on the panel today. Really appreciate it. Go well, and uh, Kimberly, good luck this afternoon. Thanks so much. Appreciate it, Ricardo. Cheers. Uh, that is the panel for another day here on uh, Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. It is uh, coming up 16 away from 11. The loveracing.nz update. Your home for everything thoroughbred racing. Visit loveracing.nz. Racing's biggest fan. <laughs> Yeah, 12 away from 11 and uh, joined in studio by uh, Louis Herman Watt, who still hasn't left, mate. I thought, I thought you'd be at the Paddington uh, by now, mm. uh, getting in the old uh, Guinness and Beef Pie oh, uh, for lunch. Supercharger, man. Mm. What am I doing? What are you doing? Sometimes you just have to question that, don't you? <laughs> you do. You know, uh, I would like to know how much Love Racing um, uh, pay you, though, because uh, you seem to be the Love Racing guy, <laughs> loveracing.nz, <laughs> on this station. Oh, 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 come on down, Bruce Sherrock. <laughs> <laughs> you hear that? Allegedly, I'm in line for slings. Um, no, I do it because, as they say... Mm. We are racing's biggest fan. I am yeah. racing's biggest fan. Love racing.nz. And it's where I do all my news and pre- I do all my uh, form and that sort of thing. I can actually vouch. It's one of the better form websites going around worldwide. And I've had, I've actually had international pundits say that to me as well. well so, that's um, great. Mate, big weekend this weekend. Let's give the jumpers a bit of love, eh? Okay. So tomorrow it's kind of like the, the big jump, the first big jumps weekend of the winter. And obviously we do the jumping in the winter because the tracks are softer and better it, for the horses, better horses for to the, land. Better for the horses to land, absolutely. Yeah. Um, we've got a maiden steeplechase and race one at Trentham. And it looks like we, we've had some action in the market here, but it looks like uh, John Wheeler might have a day out with his jumpers. And he's on the mail run tomorrow. So we've got John Wheeler's quaff in that race. In race number two, this is where we get into the good stuff. We get into the hurdle for twenty thousand dollars over twenty five hundred meters. Sean Fannin on West Coast for Mark O'Loughlin uh, at the top of the market there, and we'll find a lot of support, I would suspect. Race number three, the Puni Hurdles. This is a great race. Each and every year, you get to see where the hurdlers are at. Chief Sequoia. I don't know much about jumpers, let's be honest, but I just have to assume it's got to be hard to beat on its last start. Sam O'Malley, John Wheeler, ticks a lot of boxes for me. And then the Manawatu steeplechase as well. $60,000, the open steeple, and um, no tip. It's a bit of a freak, this thing. You'd be like It was flat last start, but it's got a great steeplechase record. So there's the jumpers to start the day at Trentham, and it's a great time of year for the Jumps fans. They love it. Yeah, no, that's awesome. Uh, of course, uh, Louis does give out some pretty good tips. Uh, yesterday he tipped out at Rickerton on the synthetic uh, commitment, uh, and it came in paying two seventy. so I think the lesson we can take away from this is don't be afraid of commitment, uh, particularly with Louis Herman Watt. <sighs> yeah. I you know I am a quite a committed person. I kind of go 110 percent into everything. Uh, there's a couple of nice ones you can back. I think at, well, let's stay at Trentham. I think uh, yesterday I tipped out uh, Marsh's Mega Bourbon. Marsh's yeah, Mega does. Bourbon. Yeah, I backed that as well. Yeah. Good, smart. Use you invest now so you don't lose it tonight at the Eddington or the Alexis Park Harness. Tav Attack down the bottom of the market. Look, I had a bet. It was 450. It's now 360. There's about a million chances in this race. Very flashes taken. A bunch of betting, but I still think Tav Attack. 
Felisa Allpress carrying the 53. Good barrier. Alan Sharrick. Um, yeah, it, it has to be the one to stop in this race. Yeah, okay. So looking for, for that one tomorrow at Trentham. Uh, that is your loveracing.nz Racing's update. Racing's biggest fan. Racing's biggest fan. Uh, is it Louis Herman Watt or is it loveracing.nz? I'll leave that up to you. All your thoroughbred racing news, previews, reviews and more. Double eight, double three. Vote now. Q New Zealand for making Polaris New Zealand's number one selling side-by-side brand. Summer or winter, he's the voice of sport in Aotearoa. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. It's just gone uh, three away from 11 here on SCNZ Mornings with Ian Smith. Ricardo Ball in for Smithy. Of course, uh, the TAB always join us around this time of the day. And you can bet live on your favourite sports. Download the TAB app today. Pip Morris, how are you? I'm good, Ricardo. How are you this morning? Yeah, good, mate. Good. I tell you, I'm loving the uh, the bonus back uh, on the NRL matches. I backed the Broncos last night 12 and under after I saw who the Knights had uh, coming back into the team, you know, Gagai and Milford and um, Frizzell. So I thought, oh, this could be tight. This could be tight. Uh, they ended up blowing it out. But I, I got a uh, I got a bonus bet off the back of it because I had backed the Broncos even though I didn't get the margin right. So I'm, I'm loving that. Yeah, it's really good to back into, isn't it? And, of course, another really good game this evening, too, will be the Bulldogs up against the Tigers. Obviously, the Bulldogs are missing some players due to the colds and that, too. So you could maybe look back to the Tigers in the same kind of way there. And look, if they don't win by 13 or more, Ricardo, then, yeah, you can get that bonus back winning team and margin up to $50 in your account. And another one I think you'll be uh, quite happy on. I know that you are a good Formula One follower. There's a really nice bonus back around the Formula One this weekend. It's a pre- place a pre-race win bet on the Spanish Grand Prix. And if your driver finishes second, third or fourth, we'll refund your bet up to $50 as a bonus bet, Ricardo. So another really good incentive to get involved. Obviously, the best backs at the moment is Max, Max Verstappen. You also got Carlos Sainz, though he's the second best back in the market as well. well. Who are you tipping in that? Well, Ferrari have been going so well at the moment. You got to you got to think Charles Leclerc's uh, uh, the one to beat, right? And the Ferrari seem to have their car humming at the moment as well. And he did a really good quote as well, about thirteen dollars, I think. So yeah, yeah, if you want to have a look at that, yeah, nice, uh, a nice little play. And also, of course, for the racing side of things, we've got the bonus stack blitz across all four main meetings tomorrow. Trentham and Tavapa domestically, Doombin and Mortfootville across the Tasman. And a little one at Alex Park, of course, I've got the big Auckland Cup meeting next week and all the, the feature races kicking it off this evening. Bonus back races, races one and two, hot and trot best backs in the first and in the second, simply Sam. And the Gold Cup tomorrow, quickly, Ricardo, in the best back there is Tavitak and Just Ask Me, just nipping on the heels in the market. Yeah, Tavitak is the one that Louis just uh, tipped out, actually. That's where my bonus bet went, Pip. So fingers crossed you're both right on that, and that comes in. Go well, mate. Have a great weekend. You too. See you later. See you later. Watch and bet live on your favourite sports and racing at tab.co.nz. Please gamble responsibly. R18. Latest news in sport, not too far away. Thank you, New Zealand, for making Polaris New Zealand's number one selling side-by-side brand. From behind the stumps to behind the mic, nothing gets past Smithy. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ.
It's just gone three past 11 here on Mornings with Ian Smith. Ricardo Ball in for Smithy. Still to come this hour, Matt Henry, Black Caps bowler. Uh, We're also going to have a Greyhound Racing catch-up with Michelle Stebbing, who is the co-national coordinator for Mayhounds. Uh, Stumped with Smithy as well, uh, although it'll be stumped with me, of course, a $50 TAB bonus bet and sleep drops to be one there. And uh, before we finish, Mick Guerin uh, will give us a couple of tips in harness racing and staff will come on to tell us what's happening between midday and four on his show but uh, right now let's uh, talk a little bit about uh, the uh, PGA Champs uh, because their first round is just winding up now Logan and there are some pretty big names who might not be there come day three. Yeah, I mean, looking just at the top first, uh, Roy McIlroy is uh, looking pretty good. Started on the back nine in his round. He's he's finished uh, his day five under for a lead, and then you have Will Zalatoris uh, tied for second with Tom Hogue. Uh, with four under. When you speak of favourites, of course, Ryan, I mean, New Zealand favourites at least, Ryan Fox, tied for 29th. Uh, he finished on even. Scotty Scheffler, the world number one, he's tied for 17th with one under. Cameron Smith, the Aussie that we all, I guess we kind of love him. You know, he's, he's got, got a Kiwi caddy, doesn't he? Yeah, and he's got the mullet, he's got the mo, he's got he's got the look going for him, man. He's two under, he's finished his round, tied for 7th though. So he's doing all right. Jordan Spieth, on the other hand, uh, he's too overtired for uh, 60th. And uh, we were talking about Dustin Johnson earlier, tied for 88th. Uh, three over uh, on he's got one hole to go so not a great day for DJ no, not great at all for him uh, we had a few texts through on double eight double three. that's the temper bedpost text machine uh, uh, this one from Ken sorry Blackhead is not big enough uh, Papa Lee and Artie can play all three positions as well and Akira covers six and eight well Ken I hate to break it to you but Blackhead is bigger than Artie he's taller and he's heavier so yeah, I, I think uh, Blackadder is a serious, uh, a serious contender for that All Black squad, um, and potentially, I mean, the only thing for him, given that he can cover everywhere, is that he might end up being a bench option because he can cover everywhere. You know, um, that, that could be the only downfall for him. Uh, Brendan texted through as well on double eight double three. Good morning, Ricardo. Uh, Read Dean's chat on Mawanga not tackling. A hundred percent agree. It's a known fact. I just had a look to see. Uh, I just had a look, see Tony Brown, who was an awesome tackler, put his body on the line, and he was two kilos heavier, and they're both the same height, so no excuses there for for Mawanga, just not prepared to do it, basically, is uh, what Brendan's saying, and Mark uh, has also sent us a message on the Temper Bedpost text machine saying, the powers that be and the Warriors need to be sacked, uh, a new management and new management hired, they haven't learnt anything over the years, they need to fight to keep Harris DeVita, he's a good half, they don't just appear out of thin air. He's one of the best offensive sixes going around and his game management is getting better all the time. Wake up Warriors management from Mark. Thanks very much for your text Mark. Don't disagree with you at all. Um, that is uh, uh, I think that's that's a great point that you make and yeah, I think it would be really sad to see uh, the Warriors lose a homegrown player like Harris DeVita. Don't they all go so well when they leave though? I mean look at Isaiah Papali'i. He was in the t- NRL Team of the Year, the year after he left the Warriors to go to the Eels, so uh, something to be learned there for sure. Uh, now, uh, the Black Caps are, of course, uh, in England at the moment. They have a three-test series that is starting early next month, but before they do that, they have a couple of warm-up games, including one against Sussex, which starts tonight, New Zealand time. A member of the squad uh, that is over there, probably uh, walking down a beach as we speak, is uh, Matt Henry, one of the fast bowlers, of course, out of Canterbury, the man with two first names. G'day, mate. 
<laughs> I'm good, thanks, mate. It's a story. Have you ever been in that situation where you've gone, oh, I have to do got two first names. I wish I had a surname. <laughs> That's funny you mentioned that. Yeah, you kind of have a wee joke about it, but yeah, I, mean, I definitely wasn't expecting it um, here as an intro. So yeah, no, it's, I mean, it's good to just be reminded of it. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, mate. Sorry, I, I know you're trying to put no, it I've behind got, I've you. Got three, I've technically got three, actually, with the middle name, so I don't know if that balances it out. Oh, yeah, okay. That works. That, that, that kind of <laughs> works, mate. That kind of works. Uh, <laughs> hey, uh, how's, how's Brighton treating you? How, how's how's uh, things on the coast? Yeah, no, it's lovely. It's um. Yeah, nice place to start the tour, actually, here in Brighton. The weather's been great as well, so getting nice and climatised and um, been able to get down to, to Hove and, and, yeah, get the ball in hand, which has been great. You spent a bit of time playing county cricket over there. How much do you know about the Sussex side that you're going to uh, face in the tour match? Um, yeah, I mean, not 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 too much. Um, we've got, obviously, it's going to be a great time to kind of get that time to the legs and, and, and play against um, Sussex and yeah, I think everyone's just looking forward to actually getting back into cricket, into that red ball. So um, that's probably the main thing. And then, like I said before, we're just um, for the bowlers figuring out who's going up the end and who's going down it. Yeah, well, exactly. Up and down, up and down, as it is at Hove. Uh, now, you've, as I mentioned, spent a bit of time over there, so you've probably had more experience with the Duke than a, than a few guys in the squad. Have you have you got a preference between uh, the Duke and the Cookie? What you bowl with? Oh, I'd. I think um, I, over here, the, I mean, the, the balance between bat and ball, the, the Duke's a great ball that we enjoy bowling with, but at home as well, the, the Kookaburra is the same thing. The Kookaburra is a great ball that obviously shares good balance between bat and ball at home, so it is different. I think that's probably the, the big comparison is, is probably not what's better, what's worse. It's more just like it is a different ball that we need to get used to and um, just um, understanding, uh, the, I suppose, the little things that go into it as well. Yeah, I mean, I remember when you went up there um, for a, for a shot in the county scene. Uh, I mean, you went you went great guns with the, with the Duke. So I just assumed off the looking at the figures and things that you had up there that there was something about that ball you liked, what it allowed you to do that maybe you don't always get to do in the southern hemisphere. Well, I think traditionally the the Duke ball um, does swing over here, and and I think that's probably the main thing getting your head around is making sure that you're actually still hitting the wicket because the, the ball is going to swing for, a, for for a long time, but. Um, I mean, looking at the scores <laughs> this summer over here, there's been plenty of runs. So, um, yeah, look, I, I think it doesn't really matter where you go. You, you, there's all those little things you adapt. And I think most bowlers enjoy enjoy bowling with the Duke, having that, that bit of swing. But, um, yeah, hopefully we can extract as much as we can coming into the store. What are you looking to get out of the Sussex game, mate? Um, obviously, there's, you know, Wags has stayed home for birth of a second child. There's a couple of guys still uh, in the IPL. So you get first shot at it, I guess. So what are you looking to achieve here? Oh, I think it's just um, obviously coming over here, building towards that first test match. I think it's great to have these two warm-up games to, to get time under the legs um, and, and kind of just getting that um, competitive um, piece put together as, as well as trying out a few things as well. If there's some um, tactical things we want to try to explore. So I, I think that's probably what we'll be looking to do. And, and the, the, the main thing is to just make sure everybody's, like from a bowling point of view, making sure everyone's bowling, bodies are, are rearing to go, ready to go for that first test. And you want to give Shane and Gary a tough decision to make too when it comes to selecting that 11, don't you? I mean, you're coming off uh, your best test figures recently. I mean, against the South Africans in February where you took seven for 23, I think it's your best first-class figures and your best test figures. So giving them a decision to make is a great, uh, a great thing to be able to do as well. Yeah, I mean, that's always, uh, you're, every time you, you go out there and play, whether it's a warm-up game or 
or whether it's a, a, an international game, I think you, you're putting your best foot forward and, and wanting to do a good, good job. And I think that's a that competitive piece. I think everyone's competitive, so they want to take wickets and, and score runs. But um, I think it's also just understanding that, that conditioning element and, and uh, just making sure that we keep building. We've had a plan over the last couple of months of just building building into this this series. So um, there'll be an element of just uh, keeping that going as well. Was there a thing that sort of at dinner last night where all the bowlers and all the batters were trying to sit, get close to Tom Latham and say, mate, if you win the toss tomorrow, let's have a bowl. Let's have a bowl. Let's have a bowl. <laughs> <laughs> no, we'll, we'll wait and see what the, uh, the overheads are doing. If it's nice and uh, cloudy, then I think... Uh, yeah, I think a few coffees might be coming as well. Yeah, nice, mate. Nice, nice. That's what you want to do. Uh, have you also had a, had a chat at all about where you might slot in with the willow if you if it come, times comes to bat? I mean, you you're uh, you're not bad, eh? You average nearly twenty in tests. You've got a, a test half century under your belt. Uh, you've got that record score for the ninth wicket with Jimmy Nish. You might be saying, well, you know, there's room there. I could I could probably come in at seven or eight and do a job. <laughs> I think all the bowlers pride themselves on their batting a little bit. Um, Probably more um, how many times you have a six, but I think um, yeah, I think it's something that we always work on as the betting, and we understand that in our group, it's um, something we do pride ourselves on is, is working hard with the stick. So obviously, yeah, it'd be great. The, the higher, the better, I suppose. But um, at the same time, we'll, we'll uh, I, yeah, I don't know. I haven't really had a look at the balance of the side and, and where I can squeeze in in these warm-up games. <laughs> nice. Uh, now, I mentioned the, the fact that you've played a bit of county cricket. You've had some experience there with those conditions. For you as a bowler, uh, how different is it bowling in England than, say, bowling at home in Christchurch um, in the, in the four-day and the Plunkett Shield stuff? And and what do you have to do differently to prep yourself? Uh, yeah, it is very different. It's actually a different style of cricket here as well. I mean, at home, and, and like we mentioned, the different types of balls at home, it's a, it's a lot bouncier and you've You've got a bit more pace in the wicket. Um, we hear the wickets are, tend to be a little bit on that slower and lower side. Um, so it's actually just trying to figure out your angles with your fielders and, and understand that your fields are probably going to look slightly different. And, and you look at what's been happening around the county um, circuit this, this season, um, there has been a lot of runs. So actually probably acknowledging that and, and looking at what, what looks different this season is in the wickets is in the balls. But... Um, I think you've just got to probably wrap your head around it that um, it might look a bit different. You might not have all the slips and gullies and everything that you've got at home with that extra pace of bounce at Hagley. So um, maybe just how how you're operating might be a bit different with your lines and and your lengths as well. You probably don't have the same sort of heat either, do you? I mean, can you bowl longer spells over there just because it's a bit cooler or or are we misreading that? Uh, Yeah, I suppose. I think it gets a bit of a tough rap for that, don't they? Yeah. Uh, it's always apparently raining over here, but it's, I mean, it's, it's actually drizzling right now, so I can't say too much. But um, no, the, the, the weather's been absolutely brilliant um, since we've been here. So uh, yeah, I, I can't say say too much on on that front. But I think as long as we're doing our conditioning, we should be able to bowl long spells. I think. Nice, nice. Now you you're going to probably get a lot of questions on this tour about Brendan McCullum um, for obvious reasons. You played under him as a captain. Um, <laughs> And now he's going to be coaching uh, England for the series. Uh, what do you think he's going to bring to the England camp that maybe they haven't had before? Yeah, I mean, it's, it's great. I mean, it's, I, I absolutely love um, playing under Brendan. He was a fantastic captain and leader in a, in a group. And I think that's um, one of his real strengths is, is, is rallying the guys together. And I think he would do a fantastic job for England. And um, yeah, I, I think that piece of, of bringing everyone together and um, I suppose 
driving towards that common goal was something that he, he really did well with our, our team and created a great environment and, and really, um, I mean, laid a really strong foundation of, of where we are today. So, yeah, there's, there's no question that he'll, he'll do a great job with England. What was the difference between, say, playing under him as a captain versus, say, playing under Kane as a captain? Because they seem quite different people. Oh, yeah. I mean, everyone's got their own style as well, and, and Kane's, a, Kane's a fantastic leader, and um, I, I, he's done a great job for a long time as well. So, I mean, it's, yeah, it's, it's not really about comparing the two. Just It's, it's actually about, um, I suppose, what they've brought to the, the team and, and what they add as well, which has been a very successful reign um, for both of them. Knowing Brendan and knowing uh, what he loves on and off uh, the, the cricket pitch, uh, how many of those 13 blokes that have been named in the England Test squad do you reckon he's got in a syndicate to own a racehorse already? <laughs> I don't know about that. Um, I, I just think he'll be, obviously he'll be looking forward to coming to England and, um, yeah, I suppose getting to know his squad and, and the people and, and yeah, I'm, I'm sure everyone will be looking forward to seeing him. Yeah, and what did you make of the squad that they named? Yeah, I mean, there's, there's, just, there's no doubt that it's going to be a strong team. Um, when you come here to England, that the squad they, they produce, there's always guys that are going to come in with that county form and as well as that experience piece with some of the players there that are, that are playing well. So, I mean, we know that when you come to play England in England condition, English conditions, it's a, it's a challenge. So, um, yeah, it looks like a very strong squad. And, yeah, we're just looking forward to the for that first test match at Lords. Yeah, mate. Well, hey, listen, uh, good luck against Sussex. Uh, I hope you get a decent stretch in there. And uh, fingers crossed we see your name on that 11 for uh, for the first test at Lords, eh? Awesome. Appreciate it. Thanks very much for your time. There you go. That is Matt Henry out of the Black Caps. Uh, 17 past 11 here on Mornings with Ian Smith on SCNZ. Ricardo, in for him, there is a, a market already for those test ma- of that first test match. England's slight favourites paying $2.27. And New Zealand, uh, $2.55. And the draw at $3.85 for that first test at Lords is also top run scorer and wicket taker markets there as well. Probably a little bit early for that sort of carry on. But there you go. Those options are there at the TAB. Uh, still to come on. On the show, we have stumped with Smithy after the news and sport at 11.30. Mick Guerin is going to join us as well to talk harness racing. Staff is going to uh, tee up what's coming up after midday for us as well. And coming up soon, we're going to talk greyhound racing with Michelle Stebbing. for making Polaris New Zealand's number one selling side-by-side brand. Summer or winter, he's the voice of sport in Aotearoa. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. Yeah, it's 11.23, no Smithy. Here's back on Monday, Ricardo Ball in with you. And if you tune into SCNZ every Sunday from 11 or 12, Greyhound Racing New Zealand's Dog Speed Show, hosted by Mark Rosanowski and Andy McCook, is on. You don't miss a beat with Greyhound Racing New Zealand's Dog Speed on Sundays. And speaking of dogs, uh, Michelle Stepping joins us now, the co-national coordinator for Mayhounds. G'day, Michelle, how are you doing? Good morning, Ricardo. I'm well, thank you. Thank you for having me. Yeah, no, any time, mate, any time. Uh, of course, uh, you, you do a lot of good work with dogs uh, who are no longer racing or, or haven't quite made uh, the step up to, to being a racing dog. How did, how did you get into that and, and into rehoming dogs? 
Um, my intro, I was actually friends with uh, Georgie Milne, who was one of the initial and uh, one of the initial founders of Mayhounds back in 2007, uh, 17. So um, I came on board in about 2018. Um, I had a hound of my own as well, so it was just something I was passionate about and really keen to jump on board with her um, when Mayhounds was just really starting up. It's interesting. I mean, there are a lot of different dog breeds around, obviously. Um, I've got friends who've got all sorts of dogs. I've had dogs myself in the past. But, I mean, for you, why a hound versus anything else? Oh, they're just, for me, I love it, their athleticism. You know, they're just an amazing stature of a dog. And they just have the best personalities. You know, they're loving, they're cuddly, they're fun, they're goofy, um, and they give you all the love that you could want from a dog. And they're just so loyal. Um, you know, they love to join in with family life. They can just get on with everybody and, and everything. And I think the whole package of them is just really um, enticing for anyone. And for me, it was huge. Um, that's what I loved about them. Um, and I want, and I've just wanted to then give that on to other people. Yeah, I mean, it sounds like they make great pets. I mean, what are, what other uh, selling points would you have to say as to why they they make such great pets, greyhounds? <laughs> the list is endless, um, <laughs> but they, unlike other dogs, they really don't have an odor. Mm-hmm. Um, they don't have a lot of the greases in their coats like other dogs. So they generally they're not smelly dogs. Um, so they're really easy care, easy maintenance. They've got thin coats, um, you know, other than buying a wardrobe of clothes for them, you don't need to send them to the groomers for a clip. Um, they're, oh, 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 what else can I say really? Um, you know, for a bigger dog and they are medium to large breed dog, mm. they don't eat a huge amount of food. So from food bill costs of things, and they're really quite, um, uh, free of health issues as well. Um, you know, you don't get a lot of issues like hip dysplasia, like you might do in a lot of other breeds or um, breathing issues like with your pugs and your um, flat-faced breeds as well. So, um, you know, they're really good on that side of things. They sound like they're definitely more of an indoor dog than an outdoor dog. It's not the sort of pet that you'd buy and then that pet doesn't come into the house like you see with some dog breeds. Oh, no, they're absolutely um, a family dog and they do need to be part of your family in the house Um, and they love it. Um, They settle in and they just love being with you. They might like sleeping in the lounge or on a bed next to you in your bedroom, you know, but um, they do have a thin coat. So especially in the colder weather, um, they do need a little bit of a jacket on, um, which is quite cool if you like to dress them up and you can pick all sorts of patterns and so on but um yeah they definitely like being in and part of family life um not a dog to be left outside all the time that's for sure what's the biggest challenge for you as somebody who rehomes uh, greyhounds to get them to transition from you know maybe the ones that have had life as a racing dog to to being a pet to be honest um we don't find it too difficult in the transitioning stages. You know, there is a process a dog needs to go through. Um, They need to decompress from racing. Um, We have foster homes and all of our dogs go into a foster home before they're um, adopted to their forever forever families. 
So it gives us a really good chance to allow the dog um, to go through that decompression period. Um, and we learn a lot about the dog as well while they're in foster and what their needs might be. So um, I guess the hardest part is then matching them to the right family. Um, we want to match the hound to the family that's going to be right for that dog and vice versa as well with um, you know, the least issues as possible going forward. Um, and that may be that, you know, the dog is just not a dog that's, you know, a city slicker and prefers a rural life. So just finding that, that home in the rural setting, um, it could be any number of things. But just finding the right homes for the dogs with people that understand about sight hounds um, and their background and their needs going forward, which really are not like any other dog but um just just finding the right homes for each dog and that's key key for us if if i if i want to um, get a pet dog and i've got a cat already living in the house um yep. given, given uh, hounds like to chase little furry things uh, how safe are they in that front <laughs> um some are not safe at all some have a very high prey drive and you would never look to placing that dog in a home with a with a cat either the existing cat or even if people were thinking of getting a cat but there are a surprising number of greyhounds that are cat trainable and will easily learn to live with cats um, a lot of that depends on their prey drive um, but also around the amount of socialisation and exposure they have to cats as well. Um, and it might just take a little bit of training um, over a few months, um, but you, you absolutely get there. And there are dogs out there. So um, at the moment, they're a little bit few and far between, but, um, but there's always cat trainable hounds um, that are out there for adoption. Excellent, Michelle. Hey, listen, thanks very much for coming on and uh, giving us a, a bit of an education on uh, on hounds and how you can adopt them. If somebody does uh, listening to this wants to get in touch and, and find out how they can adopt a greyhound, where's the best place for them to go? Um, so we've got our website, uh, mayhounds.co, uh, sorry, mayhounds.org.nz. Um, we've got uh, links on there so you can just send us a message directly just as an inquiry or there's um, if you're interested in adopting or fostering there's some forms that you can quick and easy forms you can fill in online um, that comes straight through to us and then one of our team will be in touch fantastic hey michelle thanks very much for coming on today have a great weekend and uh, best luck continuing to transition dogs into pets Cool. Thank you very much. Thank you for having me. Yeah, anytime. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. It is time for Stumped with Smithy. If you want to uh, play Stumped with Smithy and win yourself a $50 TAB voucher and some sleep drops, give us a call now 0800 150 811. 0800 150 Hey, we've also teamed up with Auckland Greyhound Racing Club to get you out of the dog box. Simply text DOG to 8833 for your chance to win a VIP date at the Duke of Edinburgh Silver Collar Day. In the meantime, 0800 150 811 and let's play Stump with Smithy next. Ian Smith's had a good match here. Stumped by Smithy. Ian Smith really is top class at his job. Yes, pad up and grab your bat. It could be a big one here. Friday on SCNZ Mornings with Ricardo Ball. Up for grabs today is a $50 TAB bonus bet and some sleep drops. Daytime revive. 
They are New Zealand's only specialist range of sleep and stress support supplements. Ricardo, joining us first at the crease, we have Bryce from Christchurch. Come in, mate. Yeah, hi, how are you guys going? Yeah, good, Bryce, mate. I mean, if you, if you manage to get across the line here uh, and win yourself that $50 bonus bet from the TAB, have you got anything lined up as to what you might put it on? I'll put it on the golf. Put it on the golf? The PGA. Who, who are you backing? Well, I actually just um, threw a small bet on a couple of days ago on, on a guy called um, Harry Higgs. Oh, yeah. What? what uh, what, what fl- No, what, flag, as- what flags him for you? Um, I've, I've seen him play a couple of times. He would be the most unathletic golfer probably in the tournament by some margin, um, but he's very talented. Okay. So uh, I thought I'd give him a crack. Yeah, nice. Nice. How's he doing, Dino? Uh, I can tell you that. I don't know. I, haven't, I don't know. <laughs> oh, yes, I've, I've found him. I've found him. He's tied for 28th on even, same as Foxy, oh. through 13. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah, it's not the worst. Yep. No, no, absolutely not. Yeah, well, we'll see how you go, mate. Uh, you know what's up for grabs, but today's topics for you, uh, basketball, Formula One, or the Stanley Cup. Take your pick. Oh, Jesus. Can we, can we try again and have another three? <laughs> <laughs> so I, I don't have this roller decks where I just, I, I just hit random and they all flush out. Those are your three. Why me? There's a strategy uh, here, no though, mate. There's a strategy here, though, because you could just try and pick one that Ricardo knows nothing about as well, and you, you might still get that $50. Right. Yeah, yeah. Well, I have to go basketball, but, uh, yeah, it's going to be tough now. All right. Well, Bryce, how much have you been listening this week, Bryce? Um, I listen a bit sort of lunchtime-ish, but... Apart from that, not a lot. All right. Well, hopefully, uh, most of these answers, I think, uh, from what Logan said to me, he said that uh, he chose basketball questions that have been talked about on air to this week. So you, you should be all right. And Ricardo knows nothing about them. Let's go. Okay. First question for you, Bryce. Which NZNBL team did Casey Frank last play for in 2016 before moving into his career as a commentator? No idea, but I'll just say um, Auckland. One of the worst things I have ever seen done on a cricket field. Ricardo. Um, Yeah, I don't know either. I know that he came out of retirement at one point, because he'd been in the com box and he played seven games for someone one season, but I can't remember who. Uh, so uh, I am going to... It'll be someone probably North Island-ish. Um, the Waikato Pistons are too are, are too far uh, too far gone. I don't know. I'm going to say the Wellington Saints. Just a couple of chips down the wicket. Oh. Right in the slot Whoa. and away it goes. North Island-ish. I like that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, you're gone, Bryce. Stumped Sorry, totally Bryce. Smith. Out, out uh, back to the pavilion you go. Simon from Hamilton, up next. How you doing, buddy? Yeah, very well. Yourself? Yeah, well, great, mate. Great. Looking forward to the weekend. How are you on your basketball? Oh, I'm a bit like um, Ricardo, I think. <laughs> Take a, a punt, North mate. Island-ish. A bit North Islandish. <laughs> All right. Second question for you, Simon. Uh, those Wellington Saints, they have an, a very exciting player on the way in the form of Xavier Cooks. Which Aussie NBL team does he play for? Uh, 
Okay. Um, Sydney Kings. Just a couple of chips down the wicket, right in the slot, and away it goes. Yeah, Sydney Kings, the champions. Nicely done. Yeah. Nicely done. Thank you. Let's see how you go, mate. Still up for grabs. $50 TAB bonus beer and some sleep drops. Daytime revive. You'll get those if you get that question, this last question right. Who is currently leading the NZ NBL in rebounds? Oh, crikey. Team Um, or player? Player. Player, okay. We talked about this on the show earlier in the week, FYI. Did we? Okay. What team? What team? Sorry, what was that? What team's he from? Ooh, I'm wondering if that might give it away. We'll see how we go. Uh, he plays for the Auckland Tuatara. Oh, got to be Rob Lowe then. One of the worst things I have ever seen done on a cricket field. Rob Lowe was going to be my guess. <laughs> I mean, it's a great guess. So It's a great guess. Uh, yeah, no, I don't know. No idea. All right, well, you know what that means... Simon, can I, can I, can yep. I have another guess? Is, is it Johnson? It is Johnson. It is Johnson. Chris, yeah. Pick off the gun. <laughs> <laughs> Chris Johnson. Oh, I'm just. Let's deliberate here. Uh, I mean, there was second go, but should we be generous? Being Friday. Well, given the fact that I didn't know uh, because I drew a blank, I went, "Oh yeah, who's the other guy?" And I drew a blank immediately and went, oh, "I'm just going to have to say I don't know." So yeah, I think we have to give it to Simon. All right, you lucky day, Simon, mate. We've deliberated and we have ruled that you will get the fifty dollar TAB bonus bet and the sleep drops. Congratulations, mate. Uh, hold that line, and uh, Brian will get you details. Yeah. Yeah, nicely yeah, done. On Mega- Where's it going? Sorry, would you say straight on what? Mega bourbon. Mega bourbon. Yeah, that was Louis' pick yesterday, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. No, get on that. I think it's still part about threes. So uh, yeah, nicely hey. done. Nicely done. He's hey, on that kid. I mean, I've followed him for a, a little while now, but in the last sort of ten days, anything he pumps up and puts up, you just got to pick it. Yeah, you just get paid with Louis. That's what it should be called, eh? Yeah, yeah. He's got a he's got a he's got a career in it. He, he does, mate. He does. Hey Simon, go well, mate. Have a good weekend and uh, fingers crossed that comes in for you because I've backed it as well. Beautiful. Thanks, guys. Cheers. Uh, go well. There you go. Stump with Smithy. Done for uh, the week. Still to come, uh, we have Mick Guerin talking harness racing, and Staff is going to pop in as well, and uh, we're going to have a bit of a chat about what's coming up on his show this afternoon. This is... One selling side-by-side brand. Summer or winter, he's the voice of sport in Aotearoa. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. It's 14 away from midday here on SENZ and uh, joining us to talk uh, harness racing is Michael Guerin. G'day mate, how you doing? Good morning Ricardo, you big beautiful man, how are you? I'm good, thank you mate, I'm good. Uh, What have you got lined up tomorrow for Trot's Talk? I know you and Greg are on on Sunday, sorry, what have you got lined up for Trot's Talk on Sunday from midday? Well, the focus is going to be on what is happening tonight. Mm. So tonight at Alexandra Park, they have some really serious stuff. The Anzac Cup is a Group 1 for the Trotters worth 100k. Now, it's a race that was under threat of being lost this week, Ricardo, because there weren't enough horses, because there's two very, very good horses in the race. One of them's a champion called Sunday Sun, and a very good second string called Bolt for Brilliance. And they're sort of scaring most of the horses away. But they managed to get a couple of stragglers 
to join the fray and they've got the field off the ground because Harness Racing New Zealand doesn't like to run these races with five or less horses. It's just one of those things. Horses are tired. It's been a long autumn tricky to get these fields together so we'll talk about that um that's tonight for those who want to have a bet race eight which is at 857 uh, sunday sun should be winning at a dollar 45 if you're that way inclined the other race tonight which is in many ways more important and it's worth less money is the $75,000 Roy Purden Memorial. Now, Roy died in early February. Mm. He was the patriarch of harness racing in this country. First time there's been a race named in his honour, of course. And his sons, Barry and Mark, trained four of the horses in the race. So it would mean the world to them to win Dad's race. So we're going to pick all that apart and see what happens tonight with Greg at noon. This is noon on Friday. And talk about what happened. But also look forward to next Friday. Next Friday is Trillion Trust Auckland Cup. That's worth $400,000, Ricardo. And also the Road Cup for the Trotters worth two hundred and fifty grand. So that's pretty much grand final night for autumn. Then all the good horses have a break and they come back in the spring. So the next two Fridays at Alexandra Park are big, juicy, serious stuff. We're going to be looking forwards and backwards at those two. We're also going to talk to Jamie McKinnon on Sunday. He's an interesting one. He's the president of the Auckland Trotting Club. And tonight they're launching Trot's Tour TV. So basically it's a television channel on Face Television, which is Channel 83, and they're going to broadcast harness racing only on Friday nights. Now, mm. it's a hard thing to do. It's hard to get off the ground. And they're going to have a crack at it for six weeks in a trial capacity to see whether they can maybe keep harness hunters informed in a harness-only show, rather than having greyhounds and the Japanese racing coming and all those sort of things to mix it all up. So we'll talk about the motivations behind that, um, the business strategies behind it, and what they hope that will become. Because as you know, Ricardo, it's never easy to launch a new radio station, a new television show, or anything mm. like that. So interesting times for them as they're looking to provide more content whereas the TAB's business model these days is to provide more racing, which generates more turnover, and therefore the money goes back to the codes. Not everybody loves that, but the bottom line is, Ricardo, everybody loves money. So we'll talk about the business of harness racing. That's from noon on Sunday, but tomorrow morning, myself and Louis Herman Watt, I'm back on the show for the mail run after Guy Havelt made his mail run debut last week. He's getting rave reviews. So I'm come back to make sure he doesn't take my job, Ricardo. <laughs> and as I said to uh, Louis this morning, I said there's only been two people on SENZ hosting who have actually been able to potentially ride in a race. One is the jockey Sam Spratt, and the other one is Guy Havelt because he's about 50 kgs. Yeah. But we don't want him taking my job, Ricardo, because I need the money. Yeah, that's so what cool, we're going to do is come back tomorrow morning, and we're going we're to have a talk to a whole bunch of people in Australia about Doombin. We're going to talk to legendary trainer John Wheeler about jump season starting for real tomorrow at Trenton. There's four jumps races there, and... Wheels is a man who's won great races in Brisbane, but of course has won many great jumps races. And we're going to talk to people like the Andrew Forsmans about taking on the likes of Zaki. So we've got a whole heap of racing on SENZ this weekend. And we're going to play a new game called Play or Lay, which is basically, would I back this horse? Or laying a horse is when you say I'm betting against it. So we're going to do that tomorrow with Louis Herman Watt from 8 o'clock in the morning. And you'll get most importantly, Ricardo, all the updated track conditions.
That's what we want to hear, the irreplaceable Michael Guerin back on air. That's what we need. Thank you very much, well, mate. Well, really irreplaceable because Guy replaced me last week. So, Ricardo, we're going to try and be irreplaceable because Guy doesn't need the money, and I do because I have vicious spending habits, Ricardo. And I'm heading north to London in a few weeks, and I'm going to need, shall we say, some spending money, Ricardo. <laughs> well, good luck to you, Michael. I'm looking forward to the show over the, the shows over the weekend, and good luck on the punt, eh? Go on, your brother. Cheers, go well. Uh, there you go. Uh, Harness Racing with Michael Guerin is, of course, on the mail run tomorrow. But also he and uh, Greg O'Connor every Sunday from midday. They have coverage of all the Harness Racing action from across New Zealand. It's Trot Stalk from midday till one, all thanks to the great New Zealanders at Harness Racing New Zealand. Life's busy. Take this deck. There's heaps to do on it, like um, polishing off this wine. That's tough. Life's pretty good with a Trex deck. Composite decking with no hard maintenance. Trex, the world's number one decking brand.